Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. To be or not to be. For Xander Bogarts, evidently it's to be. Uh, welcome into Gwen and Chris, everybody. Chris Ello, Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scraby together. Kicking off the uh, Great Sports Weekend, our Friday program will be here from now until 6 o'clock. You can enjoy the program right here on 97.3 The Fan, or you can tune into YouTube and watch us work. Just uh, search 97.3 The Fan, and uh, you can watch the proceedings as they unfold. Uh, Tony Gwynn Jr., Xander Bogarts making big news today. Whether he wanted to or not, <laughs> he made big news today. Mike Schilt announcing that Hassan Kim has won the shortstop job. And uh, I, I don't really know that there was a competition. I mean, they just went ahead and have announced that Hassan Kim will be the shortstop and Xander Bogarts will be moving over to second base. And that has created a bit of a stir at Padre Camp. What say you about this news? Um, I'd say that... I was I'm surprised that it happened so quickly. Yeah. Uh, but in the same token, I think you could see that this was going to eventually happen and uh So why I, wait? I, I yeah, you know, they, you know, Hassan Kim is clearly uh the best defender when Manny Machado's not on the field. I I think I don't think it's he's a gold glove winner, utility spot. You could have argued that could have been at second base. They gave it to him in a utility spot, and I just think um, it was. It seemed like it was going to come at some point, and um, uh, you, at least listening to Schulte, they they had the conversation, and it was uh, his by default. Schulte said he went okay, so I think it's all um, at this point. However, they got to that spot of we're going to move Xander to second, we're going to move Kim to short. It seems like it's done. He did leave. A little bit of an opening to opening to kind of flip flop him, room, little wiggle but, room, but but outside of that, uh, Scraby, do we have um, we Xander have a, or we have Schilde? Xander Bogarts on his feelings about moving let's, to second base? Let's hear it from Xander. Switch. Uh, I mean, I sign here as a shortstop, you know, but to me, I just live and die baseball, you know, and. I felt like we had this conversation early in the morning, and I was like, listen, man, if this is the way that you guys feel the team is better, I respect him, especially defensively. I I actually admire him a lot. So it maybe it can hurt, but I mean, I'm, I'm just doing it in the best interest of the team, and 
in the end, I feel like I'm at peace with, with moving off, you know, because I felt like if I if I literally didn't really want to, I would have just let them know, and that would have been a, I wouldn't say a problem, but it might have been a tough situation, but I think I'm, I'm really at peace of going to have to move off, you know, so I think, I think that deep down in my heart, like I was actually cool with it, you know, I didn't expect maybe to be cool with it, but what, what more can I accomplish in this game? You know, I, I, I came here, the only reason I came here was to win a World Series, so if this is the way that, that we're going to get one, so be it, you know, I want to, I want a World I was just thinking, I want one at third base, I want one at shortstop, and it would be very nice to win one at second base, so I, I'm looking at the positive, and and actually, if, if we're going to have this conversation in like two years, hey, let's move you from here, from the position again, we're not like, let's just get out of the way now. You know, if this is a really good time for that our team is, is going to be much better this way, let's, let's just do it, you know. Xander Bogart's nine years starting shortstop in Major League Baseball. Uh, he seemed, he seemed uh, a little bit, he chose his words quite, uh, carefully. He he let's did. be honest about that. I, I don't think he's a thousand percent happy with this move. But you know what, Tony? If you're a competitor in any way, shape, or form, I don't think you're ever happy. You know, with a move like this, you're, you, but you know, you're going to accept it. You're going to do the best you can. Go on over to second base and try to be the best second baseman you can be. And you know, I mean, I I don't think we have to start a controversy on this no, because no. I don't think there's really one to be had. The this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is what you get when you have a pro uh, at at the helm here. It's clear he's not like gung-ho about it no nor should he be i mean he's played shortstop he's he's uh earned the right to be a shortstop but again he, he kept going back to it at the end of the day at in the bottom of his heart he felt like if i'm going to be moved off anyway maybe now is the time to do it as real as as much as he may not want to at this point he does seem like just listening to him he's, he's at peace with it even if he doesn't necessarily want to be there now um and i think that's what a professional does it'd be mike shield had the conversation with him in aruba um they had the conversation again this morning it sounded like and um i i, I think what do we got going are you here to win gusting is through? our studio ghost back he must be or is it Chris's breathing? It's, it's not, not me. It's I'm, not 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 I'm turning blue. It's not I'm turning Chris's blue. <laughs> um, I, I just on, I, I, okay. Never mind. Sounds like we're out on the fairway <laughs> having this discussion right now. I just I appreciate the fact that that clearly wasn't easy for him, but he 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 took the road of being a pro there. Yeah, he only committed eight errors last year. I mean, let's be honest about this. This guy was not a bad shortstop. The Padres feel that Hassan Kim is going to get to more balls and save more more, run. more runs and create more outs at the shortstop position. I mean, this is what analytics does for you. I mean, if you if you just looked at Xander Bogarts and said, well, the guy made eight errors last year. He's part of 64 double plays, played a clean shortstop 99% of the time. You probably never know that Hassan Kim might have saved a few more runs had he been at shortstop last year. But, you know, they look at the analytics, it's pretty hard to argue with. It is. And this Hassan is, this Kim is the, stands out in that category. This is the analytics that is really hard to argue with. Right. Defense is, is, is almost uh, impossible to argue with because yeah. it, it can show you things as Sander maybe, or as Hassan maybe getting to more balls and turning those into outs versus hits that adds up over the course of a season. And 
Um, I think most people around baseball would say Hassan Kim right now is the better idea at shortstop, um, but it didn't make it easy. But he could, as 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 Xander, I thought perfectly pointed out, he could have said no, and it would have even if everybody moves on. There's this kind of thing hanging over the ball club, and I think that's what leadership is in some ways, right? He recognized he could have taken that one way. He didn't. He's gonna he's gonna do his best for the team in this case, and that pours cold water on any controversy that could have been had he said no. I'm not ready to do this. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and boil some water and make a little controversy just for fun, Tony, because I remember one thing that Xander Bogart said when he was first approached about this, whether it was the end of last season or sometime this off season when it first became known that the Padres might be shifting him off shortstop. And what was presented at the time, not necessarily to him, but to all of us, was that Xander Bogarts might eventually be heading over to first base. And I remember what Xander Bogarts said. He said, I want to stay in the middle infield. I either want to stay at catcher, second base, shortstop, or center field. Because once you go to the corner spots, the next spot is the bench. (laughs) And I remember him saying that, and I thought of that today because – you know, you still have Jake Cronenworth on his ball club, and I don't know what the analytics say about Jake at second base as opposed to Xander Bogarts, because Xander Bogarts hasn't played second base yet. But I know that Jake Cronenworth's a great second baseman, and a lot of people feel like his talents are being wasted a little at first base. So my controversial thought is, and I bet you Scraby will back me up because he's into these conspiracies, I wonder if the Padres even at all broached the idea of him going to first base only to be turned down and then settled on an agreement with second base. That we don't know. We don't. Well, we do know. Ah, uh, here we go. During <laughs> Mike Schultz, I knew morning, that I would have just, support. It's, just, on this. it's like throwing chum out there. <laughs> I know. I just know. To kind here, of fish biting um, a little bit. So we have, I think, a little bit of misinformation spreading in our YouTube chat. Join us. You can uh, just search ninety-seven-three The Fan on YouTube, but. Uh, there's some discussion going on that the Padres told him today, but that is not what we're hearing because Mike Schilt actually said they had a discussion in Aruba. So this clip is two minutes long, but it has a lot of information in it. Uh, it talks about Mike Schilt was asked when he approached Xander Bogarts about playing second, what he expects from Bogarts, and if there was any thought of moving Jake Cronenworth to second base and Bogarts to first base. Uh, well, I had a, a starting point in the conversation with him to take his temperature in Aruba. Um, pretty good place, by the way, to have a conversation of any kind. Um, and so we started the process there, and, and then, um, you know, AJ, clearly you can ask him as well. Um, but, you know, it was an ongoing conversation, and, you know, we finalized it recently. You know what you're going to get from Kim at shortstop because he's played there before, but what are your expectations given Xander's skill set for what he can do at second base? Well, the good news is, is, you know, you want as many shortstops as you can have on a baseball field in as many positions as you can have. So to the examples I mentioned earlier, we got Toddy that's a shortstop that goes to the right, great. Kimmy's shortstop goes to second, fantastic. Crony has played shortstop and goes to second and first and has been really good. So, you know, if you can have as many shortstops and the experience of that is, is you know, from I understand how to play the middle to go to second is really important. So, uh, you know, I expect it to be some transition, some learning curve, clearly. I think we'd all be naive to think that won't be the case. Um, but also, you know, with Bogey, that 
that we'll make sure of and he'll do in any way is he's still a captain of our infield. He's still a guy that's going to run point guard, you know, from the second base position about how we're operating, how we're competing, how we're aware of game situations on the field. Mike, is there any thought uh, moving Jake to second and Bogey to first? Uh, what was part of the calculus there? I mean, listen, um, you know, the, again, we've got a different different ways, Palms, to look at this, but, you know, Bogey came in here to be a shortstop. He's a valuable guy in the middle of the field. Crony's already demonstrated he's really good at first base. Um, so I don't think we want to – let's keep Bogey up the middle where he's clearly done very well. And um, as I alluded to with, you know, talking to A.J. in his question, you know, it's a guy that, that – um, you know, we want to continue to have in the middle for his for his baseball IQ and his leadership. Ah, so there you go, Mister Conspiracy Theory, Chris. So he says that. Wait, wait what really... did you what did you get from that? What what did I get from that? What his answer about Cronenworth or just the entire? What I got from his answer on the Cronenworth thing is that yeah, it's something they thought about. Honestly, yeah. I mean, he didn't really directly say didn't. no. We didn't consider it. We're keeping Jake at first. He, uh, what he, I got he, from that is that there might have been a little thought about it, yeah. but you know, this is the they they got to try to keep Xander somewhat happy. And I think if they had said that, we want you to go to first base, that would have triggered a problem. That, in my estimation, that is, uh, I, I think, uh, one of the things that my antennas went up when he reiterated. You know, Xander signed here to be a shortstop. Right. Okay. Well. First base is is nowhere near that. That's far away. Second base is a little bit, a little bit closer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it keeps you one spot away from, as you said, the bench. So, um, listen, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they entertained it. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a discussion about it. But they have settled on right. Xander at second, Kim at short, and that only leads us to believe Cronenworth at first. And so, um. And I think that's fine. I, I do. Jake is a fantastic second baseman. He's also a really good first baseman. He's, good. He, he's, he's not. He, I mean, he's not far off from probably starting to be in a, in a Gold Glove conversation. That being said, it's going to be really for Jake. It's about his offense. His offense picks back up. You don't. You don't really care where you have him, especially at that point. Especially if you're getting the production from Xander and Kim and Manny when he's back healthy. Um, the interesting part is Manny, I mean, I guess if it almost feels like Manny's going to be back by opening day. They're making it sound because that way because we're having not the conversation, talking about having to put somebody at third. Right, having the conversation about Kim playing short, it, I mean, if if I mean, if Manny's not available, you, you would assume Kim is sliding to third, and which means Xander back at short. Again. Right, so... Um, that that's that might be a, a a quiet positive at all this that we're not even talking about the third base position. You know, I I just said we may have some misinformation in the chat, but Xander Bogarts, you know, I've been listening to more of these clips, and uh, I think I have one after the break that may put a little bit of a question on our mind whether or not he's cool with this. Well, uh, I, I don't yeah, think it really matters. We already have at this we point. already have a little question <laughs> in our mind whether or not he's cool with it, but it'll be interesting to see what he says. I. Again, I don't think we need to make a a major no. a major controversy out of this. Um, as I said, he's a competitor at heart. If you are a starting shortstop for nine years in Major League Baseball and you win World Series, you're going to feel some type of way if they want you to move off a shortstop. So I'm not surprised that he's not 100% with it. But 
it sounded like he's going to accept it and go over to second base and do the best he can, and I don't expect there to be much of an issue beyond that. Yeah, uh, he's uh, like I said, he's uh, he's a pro, and whether he was ready today or not, he said, certainly said he's at peace with it deep down. So yes, you he move did on. a very good job of choosing his words carefully. He in did. the first clip we heard, well, here's some more clips from Xander Bogarts. You guys keep chatting away in the chat room. And we'll figure it all out from here. There are some other things going on in sports today, including a huge matchup for the Aztecs tonight. Dylan the Villain, a.k.a. Jalen House is his name. He plays for New Mexico, but he is the Mountain West Conference's top villain. Mark Ziegler, banner headline story in the Union Tribune welcoming House to San Diego tonight. The fans (laughs) will be in wait as the Aztecs take on the Lobos and a key college basketball game and there is news from the genesis invitational i saw this tiger woods will not be winning in his return to the golf tour we'll explain why when we come back we are underway for a friday glad you're with us we got our countdown among a whole bunch of other stuff between now and six o'clock chris ello tony Gwynn jr matt scraby Gwynn and chris on 97.3 the fan i have this strange feeling that there's going to be some um, a verbal verbal warfare today at some point. Scraby's on one today. Do you think maybe we just might uh, do the head-to-head tackle off? Today would be a perfect day for that. I got some pent-up aggression. Yeah, man. Uh, 2.23 on the clock before we get into uh, some more Padre talk. Uh, Chris talked about some news coming out of the Genesis, and that news is that Tiger Woods had to pull out of the tournament, had to be carted off after or on seven, yeah. um, and therefore was had to pull out of the tournament from there uh, with some with some type of illness. Well, he had the back spasms yesterday, and the illness on top of that. So yeah, when you say carted off, it makes me feel like he was lying down in the back of a <laughs> yeah, cart that's what with his said. thumbs up in the air. You know, like I a, can tell you, he was like riding in the front guy. seat. Yeah, but uh, they did take him back to the clubhouse. Tiger did not finish the second round. Uh, so I, I did want to thank him on his way out of the tournament for that shot he hit yesterday on eighteen because that's. I'm sure you saw a highlight of it, but the one that went into the tree, the one that went directly into like the this tree, way. like yeah. went went like a right turn. It's the only shot Tiger Woods has ever hit from a fairway that I recognize as something I can you know, do myself. We were talking about this a little bit uh, yesterday, or off the air though, and I think the one shot you and I both described that we'd like to see pros hit more often is you know the rare time you've hit one in the fairway and it's. You know, you hit a nice little drive, and you get up for shot number two. And you dribble it ahead about 10 yards. <laughs> yes, that would be that's, cool to see once. That's the one I want to see from the pros. Scraby, why, don't, why aren't they capable of doing that just like one time? Out of all of the millions of like pros. Like the, the shake isn't impressive to me. The the 10-yard dribbler. The dribbler. That's why, the one I, I, I want to see. I mean, there isn't one golfer I've ever seen take their eye off the ball to the extent where they just dribble the ball. I remember one in the Open Championship maybe like three years ago from Eduardo Molinari. Really? He, he hit Hit like, one of those. I'm gonna go look for it because I, I thought that he topped one. But that was, see, I feel it. like I've seen. I think I've seen somebody top one and it. But bad boy, just roll all the Still way. Still got 150 it, yards right. out of it. Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, the rest of us weekend warriors, we're capable of that. 
for I would sure. Also, I'm I would also pretty think consistent at it. A, a pro golfer's um, center of balance is much lower, so the, for them to top something means they are doing something that they haven't done in a long time, like standing up on it or something. Well, makes, I know it, would be, a, it would be something you it would be awful, but it just seems like it should be a possibility. Yeah. Anyway, no possibility. It's not. Uh, Scraby uh, had some more sound from Xander Bogarts. Uh, was he, he? It sounds like he was asked, "When did he find out? The, when did they? Um, dis- what was the the process of discussing you moving to second base?" And here's what he said: "Yeah, we got to do that fast. Uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, it, 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 they just approached about it, and it's not like." I was like, hey, take ground balls at second, be prepared for any of that. That's probably the only part that, that maybe would have been a little, could have been a little different, but I mean, I don't know how much interest they really had on like moving me off or whatnot, but once they came with that option today, it's like, as I said, man, I could have really be like, you know what, I, I don't want to move off yet, but deep down, I really feel like, you know what, it, it, it might be time, and especially the respect I have for Kimmy defensively uh, as a player, so. It makes us better. I mean, I'm, I'm in. Uh, ah, that was just a little <laughs> show and go. This is just a little bouncing around. Uh, double play feeds is going to be a little tough. And as I said, I think most of the tough plays will be around the double plays, you know, and the feeding and, and the receiving of the ball with, with me not being able to see the guy. Uh, those might be the, the tough. Okay, what's, what's clear to me is regardless of. Um, when they had a discussion about it, he wasn't necessarily expecting it to happen right now. No, he wasn't. But I also don't think he was 100% blindsided. I don't think he was, too. You know, I don't think he was definitely, either. I mean, Schilt, I think, you know, he told the truth. They, they've already talked about this during the offseason. I think the surprise to Xander, to everybody, is that it happened right today. Now. Right now. Before they really get into spring training. But, you know, something I wanted to say and Xander alluded to it. If you're going to do this, now is the, the better time. time. Right. Why right. wait three weeks into spring training and say, you know, and he just we hi- kind of feel like you should go over to second base. Let's do it right now. And he just highlighted and why too, right? Because he's got to get used to the work. yeah the double the so footwork changes. Double, double plays is, yeah. is incredibly difficult for a second baseman. As a poor as you know, shortstop is not easy either. But you're coming across the bag, you touch the bag, kick the bag, and throw it to first. It's right in front of you. Second base, a lot of times you're taking that throw blind to the runner, and you got to you know it's a different deal. He it's also, a different deal. It also helps that Kim is the shortstop that he is relinquishing the spot to because it I, it would be a much different story if you had to convince him for somebody he didn't actually believe was as good or better. Right. He, if they would have signed a free agent and brought him in to play shortstop, that might have been tougher. It, it would have been a little bit tougher. But I think at the end of the day, we shouldn't even make a big stink about this because he's made the decision to move over. As he said, if he really wanted to, he could have pressed and said, no, nah, I'm not ready to do that. He did not do that this time around. And so uh, I think um, we should move forward. And and. Start to talk about this team with Hassan Kim at shortstop until uh, we hear otherwise, until we know that Manny won't play open today. Although, as, as I said last segment, it does certainly feel like they're not talking about that position at all. Sounds like they're moving forward, <laughs> that, planning on Manny being ready. That he's going to be ready. I mean, is he going to be ready for Korea? I mean, those two games are, you know, three weeks before the I, start of the season. I said it at the beginning of the week. The fact that he was throwing the ball across the diamond. Means he's already gone through the 
the idea of stretching himself out in order to get the type of length. He wouldn't be fielding ground and making throws across the diamond unless he had done all those things already. So well, Manny I think Machado, he's further along than, than many of us, I think, expected. I can't wait to watch Manny Machado warm up when he, uh, when he takes ground balls behind the third base coaching box and throws to first from there. It's something to see. Yeah, no. I mean, I know that you don't normally pay attention to infield practice between innings, but Manny makes it kind of exciting. <laughs> His arm is so amazing. One thing for Mike Schilt, too, a little more ammunition the next time he's asked about this. So he talked about having Kim at shortstop and then Bogarts, who's a shortstop at second base, and Cronenworth, who's a shortstop at first base, and Tatis, who's a shortstop in right field. He forgot to mention that he's got Machado, who's a shortstop at third base. Yeah. So he has five shortstops out there playing defense, and that ought to uh, help get the job done. You know, I was asked uh, in my DMs yesterday about Fernando's comment about um, right field being the most important uh, position at Petco Park. Somebody asked me how I felt about that, and I think it's there's some elements that's very true, and I think it, it especially holds true in 2024. Right, you no longer have a two-time Gold Glover patrol in center field to help you with that distance that you got to cover in right center. Right, um, we don't at the, at, the, at this point. It's it's Jose Azokar who I think is more than a capable center fielder. But you are losing a Gold Glover, so yeah, I, I think his comments, especially in twenty twenty four, are are true. I don't know that it's the same way every single year, but obviously Petco Park and the way it's um, Built right center is is probably the distance you have to cover most. In is that, that why you say right? Why is right field harder than left field at Petco Park? For those you who more, don't really have enough understanding of all of that, more ground. Like me. Yeah, more ground to cover in right field. Just more room. More left room. field, smaller, Sh- shorter. So in left field, you got your shorter track that kind of just goes straight across. I think in right field, you got the in the corner, you got the really short porch. And then it kind of kicks out. And that wall is really just stays that way all the way out to center field. Okay. And so there's more room to cover for. You also got the little Petco porch little yeah, thing at the there very beginning. down the right field line. That, that part, you know, I, I don't know, is, is, is the, the bigger issue. It's the gap side. Getting that to you, right center field. Yeah. Running it down in front of the sand out there. Com- covering that area the that beach. leads into that beach area. Yeah. Um, is is a. I'm pretty sure Fernando can get there. Oh yeah, because we saw a, him get there. A couple there was times a lot of times year. that Grisham got there and made the catch, but Fernando was standing was there, right there. Yeah, they're both there. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. This year, and if that, if we didn't have a Grisham in pass, Fernando would have been extremely important to get to those balls. But right, um, I, I think now with no Grish there, it becomes even more vital. All right, let's get to break. When we come back, the Aztec baseball team gets started today against the Portland Pilots down at Tony Gwynn Stadium. We'll have head coach Sean Cole on to talk a little bit about this ball club and where it's headed when we return. We're Gwynn and Chris. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's a good drum solo there. Very nice. Thank you. I did it myself. 2.39 is the time. Chris Ello, Tony Gwynn Jr. I did Mr. Scraby. Gwynn and Chris on 97.3 The Fan. All right. We're going to get to our visit with Sean Cole shortly. College baseball season starting today. Yeah. Not only the Aztec, they're home. USD's playing on the road. I, I believe go to they're Texas. At, they're at Texas. Oof. That's a tough start. But uh, yeah, the history of the Aztec baseball program and job of incorporating a lot of that. He'll talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, also on campus tonight, of course, you've got the Aztecs in New Mexico. Everybody's supposed to wear black. All black. All black. I, I don't know. Does that mean the Aztecs are going to wear black? I, I think they will wear their black Because New Mexico wears red, so they could probably get away with doing that. It's going to be a fun night. It's going to be a crazy environment. Here, This is from Mark Ziegler's article today in the San Diego Union-Tribune, Tony. I told you that it was a, a headline story in the paper. It says, if you want to encapsulate the essence of New Mexico's Jalen House... Rewind the tape of the Aztecs' first game at the pit last month. House scored 11 consecutive points on his own to cut a 12-point Aztec lead to one in the first half. So he's pointing out right there just how good this guy is, all right? He's good. After he scored the final basket, House pranced and waved his arms and high-stepped his way across the entire court to within inches of the Aztec bench and nearly bumped into coach Brian Dutcher. He was not penalized for this act of craziness. Last week at Nevada, House waved his arms wildly after New Mexico beat the Wolfpack, and there was all kinds of hate directed at him from the Nevada fans as he went off the court. Jeff Grammer from the Albuquerque Journal tweeted out earlier this week, Jalen House is the most hated player of 10 fan bases and gets the most hate during games of any player I have ever seen. Mm. He eggs it on, of course, but it's still 100% true. I've never heard the hate of a player like Jalen gets. (laughs) And he absolutely loves it. Yeah. So bring it on, Aztec fans, tonight. He's ready for it. I'll tell you one thing. He was really the difference when they beat the Aztecs the first time around. The Aztecs need to return the favor tonight. 
Not it's going to be fun. Not everybody is good at being a villain. No, he, you, he, he is. You have to abs- in order to be a villain, you have to like really not care about what anybody else has to say. <laughs> and I do. It, 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 most people do. <laughs> most if people we're being do, honest, yeah. Yeah, like, right? It, it, until you either have built been built up a tough skin over time. Or you're just not cut out for it. It's clear that, that Jalen is <laughs> certainly cut out for it. He At least is, right now he is. He is going to be public enemy number one tonight when the Aztecs take on New Mexico. All right, one more quick thing on Xander Bogart that uh, Adam Klug wanted us to touch on. Apparently. Well, no, he, I, no I, I did ask Tony this question basically as soon as he walked in. But with Xander moving to second and them moving Hassan Kim to shortstop, to me... That tells me that they're not trading Hassan Kim. They're not going to shake it up like this if they're shopping him to other teams or expecting him to be off the team at some point. Yeah. So that's what it tells me, and I don't care about what you say. Okay, fine. I'm just kidding. What do do you you think? Do you think uh, Hassan Kim has more value at shortstop or second base? Second base. No, you don't. (laughs) You're just answering that to try to cut down his argument. That's exactly what he's trying to do. The fact that he's a shortstop now means the Padres might be able to get more in return. Just stop. No, Tony immediately said this to me as when I asked it earlier. He said, "Doesn't mean they will. Maybe they might be showcasing his talents. He could. He could. He could. He would certainly have more value at the shortstop position than he does at second. Just saying." I agree. I don't think they're going to move him. I think you have a very good point, Tony, but I'm going to say I agree with Scraby. I don't think that. And I know, this is crazy. You're not agreeing with Scraby. You're agreeing with both of them. I don't think they're going to move him either. I'm just saying that. The reason I say that is because why would they even put Xander Bogarts through this if they still planned on trading Hassan Kim? They would have just let it slide. They want him. I mean, if we go back to the reports last year, they want to move him regardless of whether they had. whether they had Kim going there or not, they wanted to move him there last year. They that is true. There so, were I mean, reports. That's uh, I think as he said, that was something that was going to be inevitable. But I agree. I don't think they're moving Hassan Kim either. If Xander Bogarts calls him Kimmy, those guys are too close for them to trade Kim. Stop it, Scraby. That second base. Double All right, play let me get turn. you out of this before you <laughs> say Stop. something yeah, really go ahead. silly. Get us to Sean, please. Sean Cole, head baseball coach at San Diego State. The Aztecs, great tradition. He's trying to bring it back in his first year on the Mesa. Let's find out what he had to say. And indeed, uh, very happy to have joining us uh, right now the uh, new baseball coach at San Diego State University. And where would the show be without baseball at San Diego State University, Tony? Tell me about it. I mean, both you and I cut our teeth uh, here in this program, and now uh, Sean Cole gets set to take it over and start it tonight against the Portland Pilots. Sean, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me, and, and it's always good to be in, in company of two former Aztecs. <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we love this we love this program, and uh, we love Aztec baseball, obviously. And uh, I, I was I, I was there before Tony was there, so yeah. I mean that's that's okay. where you're little, talking. A little bit before, yeah. I played with Tony's dad. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, let's let's start with that because you know you walk out on that field, and you know it's Tony Gwynn Stadium, and you got Steven Strasburg up there, and Tony and Travis Lee and Coach Dietz, and I mean th- this program has a great tradition, and I, I imagine this is something you're excited about trying to continue and, and improve upon. Absolutely. Uh, I actually was just on the field earlier, and they repainted all the TG logos out there, and it looks it looks great. Every day I go into Tony Gwynn Stadium, I feel fortunate 
to have this job and be a part of this program because of, because of the rich history and tradition. You know, I'm getting text messages all day. Buddy Black just hit me up recently at um, Strasburg this morning. It's it's it is it's a rich history and and it's something we've explained to the team and and it's definitely something we got to carry forward. Sean, in in the short stint of time you you've been the head coach here at San Diego State, you've in my opinion you've done a, a tremendous job of kind of reengaging with. Uh, some of the alum of the past, and and, and trying to connect uh, that tissue to this new generation of Aztec. Just talk about your your kind of idea behind that, and, and how has the progress gone? Well, I'll, I'll piggyback off the first question you you asked me, or that you presented with the rich history. That was something I recognized when I first got here two years ago as the pitching coach, um, and I felt that that was something of extreme value to continue to have those connection points and make it stronger moving forward since I've taken over the program. I just think there's so much tradition, history, people that have moved on, whether it's um, having great professional baseball careers or moving into other facets and areas that can be beneficial for our players to hear about and, and how how they can succeed in other areas beyond baseball. Cause let's, let's just be realistic. There's probably a small percentage of guys that will move on from this roster and, and be Steven Strasburg or Tony Gwynn or on and on and on a major league player. Um, they're going to go on and, and become great professionals in other areas of life. So to have people with real life experience to come back and, and connect with our guys is invaluable. Sean Cole is a new uh, baseball coach at San Diego State. We're glad to have him on the program. They uh, open their season tonight out of Tony Gwynn Stadium against uh, the University of Portland. And, uh, and Sean, uh, look at this baseball team a little bit and uh, taking it over. Where do you think it, it was? Where do you think it is? And where do you think it's going? I'll answer that question in about three weeks. Um, <laughs> I, think I, I think it's in a good place. I really do. Uh, our strength the last couple of years has been pitching and, and we're going to continue to try to main that, maintain that on the Hill. Um, I've preached to our team, you know, defense needs to be our backbone. If we're going to go deep in the postseason, we really got to play catch and, and make the routine plays consistently and, and the great plays will show up. So that's something we've definitely been striving for is to improve in that area. Um, offensively, traditionally, San Diego state's always been good offensively. So, been a little bit of a head scratcher the last couple of years why we've been down but I really expect to see improvement in those areas also the coaching staff uh, coach Tarasco coach McDougal and coach Foxcroft have all done a tremendous job getting our offense to a good place so if we can get off to a good start tonight uh, that, I'm sure that'll lead to to more consistent play. Sean Cole joins us here on Gwen and Chris San Diego State's head baseball coach and Sean you mentioned Starting the season off here against Portland, you got a, a a team that is a mix of of young and, and some returning guys. Uh, where do you think the strong suit of this ball club is this year? That's a good question. I, I think across the board, with what I've seen so far, we have balance in all, in all three spaces: offensively, defensively, and on the mound. Um, like I said just a little while ago, on paper, obviously our strong suit is pitching right now. We're we're trending to have our third conference pitcher of the year. And the last two years, we've led the Mountain West and been top 25 in the country in a lot of pitching categories. So that needs to continue to be the strength. But really preaching balance. In order to win a lot of games, 
you got to have balance. you got to play catch on defense, put the ball in play on offense, and fill up the strike zone on the mound. To me, Sean, uh, college baseball is as good, as great as it's ever been. And, you know, I, I go back to when, when I played, when Tony played, not everybody played college baseball as a way to get to the major leagues. Uh, you know, guys would sign, they'd go right into the minor. And now, now it's almost, you know, automatic that if you want a big league career, you got to play some good college baseball somewhere. The sport's in a good place. Um, you know, what do you pers- what do you think about college baseball as a as a growing field for young players? I agree with you. I, it's it's probably in the best space that it's been since I've been in college. Um, you know, more TV viewership, there's more interest, more excitement around the game. More players are showing up in college. They're seeing it as a, a better avenue to shorten that time in the minor leagues to get to the big leagues. I think the restructuring of the draft and also uh, reducing some of the teams in the minor leagues has also had a big impact on that decision to go to school. So I think it's great for the game. Um, I want to continue to see it grow, especially all throughout the country right now, the SEC I think is has taken a step forward of every in front of everybody. But it's it's for us on the West Coast and and other parts of the country to catch up. And I think that's going to happen and just make the game strong across the board. Talk a little bit about your background, Sean. I mean, you you are, are kind of. Uh, I feel like kind of the new age coach coming in and has some professional experience, has dabbed a little bit in different areas in the college level. You mentioned you had the, the you were a pitching coach here for two years prior to getting the head coaching job. How do you think that helps and and not only helps with the players and development, but being able to put, put together a coaching staffs and, and things of that nature? Sure. Uh, yeah, I, I started – Really, my first job in baseball, I was an intern for the Seattle Mariners in baseball operations. And then I transitioned over to the college side uh, at a junior college. And then went to the University of Arizona as a young coach and got to to cut my teeth and learn under a legend, Andy Lopez, yeah. and uh, be a part of a national championship, which was a great experience. And then I transitioned to become the director for the 18U national team, which really opened up my eyes to international um, baseball. So you get to see Cuba, you get to see Japan, the way they go about their business. And then circling back to college, um, it just gives me a different lens and perspective to be able to talk to these student athletes about, hey, this is what it looks like uh, at the next level. Because after USA Baseball, I went to the San Diego Padres and, and I was involved in scouting and player development. So to be able to speak firsthand, hey, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. This is what your days are going to look like. I think it's invaluable. And then it Definitely expanded my network. That was one of the reasons why I was able to hire Tony Tarasco. We worked together with the Padres and have a guy on staff that played in the big leagues for nine years and has been a first or third base coach at the major league level. That just adds more validity when coaches are out there speaking about player development or things they need to do, routines on and off the field, and what it really look, truly looks like. So um, it's been re- it's grown me tremendously to dabble on the pro side and, and be on the international side, and, and I think it's made me a better coach coming back to the college game. San Diego State baseball gets started tonight against Portland. Uh, coach, I, I saw the preseason predictions, and uh, that's always fun to clip out and put up in the in a locker room, especially since they, they have you guys fourth. I know you guys want to prove that wrong. Uh, give us a couple of players that uh, we can keep an eye on. Uh, I know you have some uh, returning all-conference type guys. Yep, yep. 
uh, definitely gave us some some motivational material to hang up in the locker room, <laughs> laminated, and there's some notes written on there. And so it's good. It's a gift that was given to us. But um, you know, we have some key guys that are returning. Xavier Gonzalez, who's who's arguably the best shortstop in the conference, and and his bat has really excelled in the in the last couple of months. So if he's able to impact the game on both sides, I think that's going to be valuable. Um, on the mound, we have some experience tonight. Chris Canada, he's been our Saturday guy. He was our Sunday guy as a freshman. Omar Serrano is another experienced junior. Uh, last year was our Sunday guy. And then Xavier Cardenas, who is probably right now our highest-level prospect. He's thrown on Sundays. He's a sophomore, um, and he can run it up there at 90, 95 to 98. So, I'm sure he's going to get a lot of attention this year. And then we also have Jaden Berkovich who's closing for us. Who's, who's a red shirt senior. If I remember right with all the COVID rosters and changes, right. sometimes. I feel like these guys have been here for 10 years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, we have some freshmen that are exciting. Finley Bates is going to get an opportunity to play second base tonight. Uh, Josh Casada, a kid from Florida, left-handed bat. He's going to be in the DH spot. And then Colby Turner is going to start at third base. And then a local San Diego product from Madison High School, Jake Jackson, is going to be in left field. So they're going to bring some energy and excitement and hopefully push some of those older guys. Um, and then you have really good, solid defense with Irv Weems and Montoya, who are older guys that are running around in center field and right field. Well, uh, Sean, we wish you the best of luck. Uh, Tony and I will be supporting uh, as best we can Unfortunately, you know, I certainly can't contribute on the field any longer. Uh, Tony could probably still run down a few fly balls for you if really yeah. need be. But, uh, you know, we'll be keeping an eye on you guys. We wish you nothing but the best. Uh, keep the Aztec baseball program strong. And uh, congratulations on the new gig and best of luck. Thank you, guys, and go Aztecs. The new head man at San Diego State, Sean Cole. All right. USD's baseball scene uh, opens up tonight. We've got odds on their game. Also, the Aztecs-New Mexico matchup. We'll take a look at all of it in the Daily Gambit. Kicking off hour number two next. Kicking it off. Tell you what, you come in here to your own peril. Because you might catch some strays. Yeah, a lot of people think it'd be fun to come into the studio, but uh, Frank Marchese checked in, and <laughs> we proceeded to rip on the Mets for about ten minutes. While he, well, you know what? The funny thing is, Frank rips on his own team worse than we. I do, mean, that's so. the that's the that's the Met way, though. That's yeah, it is. They, <laughs> they they are famous for ripping yeah. on their own team. Yeah, but you want to come in here, be prepared to take some heat about whatever your favorite team might be. Uh, we got a daily gambit. Had some bets. I'm not sure how I did. I feel like I didn't have a good day. But uh, we're going to find out here shortly. Scrape, you all right over there, man? You you, yeah. you seem a little fired up today. I'm fine. Yeah? I'm actually really ready for a three-day weekend. Oh, oh that's right. It's yeah. a three-day weekend. Oh, man, I didn't that even not great know. if Chris showed up on Monday to work and no one's here. It's not like it's really <laughs> I, that I was about far to say, he's just way. walking up the street. It's not like it's around. a big deal. It would be hilarious, home. though. Like if you or I made that mistake, we'd it be would pissed. Cost you. Yeah. Out of anyone in this room... I think, Tony, you're the I one probably, to show up on a Monday I when it's a holiday. Am. I After probably am. After all, Tony showed up without any equipment a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I think it was last <laughs> Thursday. Was like, my wife brought my stuff He was there. completely empty-handed. Like, literally in the car, like, <laughs> he had nothing. I have nothing. You had nothing. I have, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, let's get to the Daily Gambit. 
Do you like money? I think about money a lot. Do you like money without doing anything? Uh, duh, winning. Do you want to make money while watching sports? I think Washington is a mortal lock. Washington! Woohoo! If you answered yes, this is your segment. Just don't blame us when you lose. Nothing is ever your fault. It's your game. Take it. Gwen and Chris go through the top bets of the day in The Daily Gambit on 97.3 The Fan. Daily Gambit is our daily sports betting segment here on Gwen and Chris. Please, everybody, gamble responsibly. I am having the hardest time right now finding NASCAR odds. It's kind of crazy. I wonder why. How I cannot... NASCAR is a big betting sport. Yeah. You kidding me? What do you bet on? The Daytona 500. No, but just who's going to win the race. Oh, yeah. Who's going to win the race? And you can do in-race in betting where it's like who's going to lead at lap 100 and who's going to lead the most laps, things of that nature. That's really the only thing you could bet is who's leading, right? There's no... What, there's no other prop bets in there. Like no, there, there are. Oh, there'll be like maybe where they do like a crash or something. Or like, like how many yellow flags will there be over under six and a half type of thing? According to what I have here, and I have discovered this, the co-favorites to win the NASCAR Cup. Oh, this is the whole series. Yeah, that's what I keep finding. Well, they haven't. I don't know that so they've actually the finalized race. the field yet. So that's probably For why the I Daytona can't find 500. It. Yeah. So no, I'm well, sorry, they better everybody. finalize it soon. The race is in two days, right? Yeah. Let me see if they've already qualified. They may qualify. Daytona. You know what? Don't don't find out. It's okay. Because really, there's not one person outside. listening right now no who one cares really what cares. the final field is. Is Jimmy Johnson involved? I can't answer that. All right. We can't answer that because I don't know if he is or not. That's oh. the only thing anybody around these parts would care about. I'm looking real quick. Will Jimmy Johnson race in the? Okay. Well, thank you for answering my question, Tennessean. Um, NASCAR. Wasting okay. valuable yeah, time. we're gonna NASCAR. we're gonna talk we're gonna talk about the bets we made last night, and then I'll go and try to find That's the answer. Probably to that. a good idea. All right, first bet we made last night, Tony, Caitlin Clark, over under thirty six and a half, and I'm very sorry because I've been spelling her first name wrong for months. It's not a K, it's a C. So if anybody's seen that, it wasn't uh, on purpose. You didn't know that either. <laughs> yes, I did. But hers was over under 36 and a half points. Not only did she get the 36 and a half, but she got 49 points. Chris said over. Tony and I said under. So Chris wins that one easy. And Listen. she is now the all-time leading scorer, and she set it in style. From the logo. From Next to the logo, I want to be accurate, but yeah, it was a deep three. I can't wait till we have. This I don't know who. I don't know who. I mean, you wouldn't even think to guard her out there. I mean, she's only like one or two steps beyond the uh, the center court line when she let it fly. She's got her range you, is pretty good. When you can shoot like that, it just opens up the court. So because if, if I gotta guard you from the logo, I mean that's that much more space you have that you can. She made one later in the game when she got fouled, and it was a four point play from the logo. She's honestly one of the most exciting basketball players we got going right now. Pretty good. We're going to have to talk about, I have a question for you guys about, quote unquote, a logo shot. All right. We're going to have to talk about that later. So oh, This would be interesting. Uh, the next one. Why don't you... you look up NASCAR futures instead? <laughs> I tried. And I... He can't find it. While we're on the subject of exciting things to talk about, why do you have to take shots at NASCAR? We're just saying that you're not going to find it. All right. Colorado and UCLA play last night. Yes. UCLA plus two. <laughs> Are you skipping right now? Are you like. 
you have like a scratch on you right something eh, eh, eh. thank you tony <laughs> ucla plus two ucla did win 64 to 60 you guys chose colorado i chose ucla so oh, one and one you got one there i did usd was next they were six and a half point favorites over the portland pilots Chris chose Portland. Tony and I chose the Toreros. The Toreros won, but they only won by five, seventy-one, sixty-six. Win for me. Haven't won one yet. Now, Chris, you're going to have to help me with UCSD score last night. Uh, they blew them out. They won by seventeen. I didn't oh, okay. get the exact score. I think it was eighty-one, sixty-four. But uh, we all UCSD with yeah. a nice win last night. We all night. chose UCSD. We were all correct. Final yes. bet: Timberwolves over and the Portland Trailblazers. Timberwolves nine and a half point favorites in that one. T Wolves win. 128-91. Chris chose Portland. Tony and I chose the Timberwolves. Well, I went with the Portland double dip there. I went with the basketball <laughs> Portland and the uh, NBA Portland. I, I guess, uh, what's his name? DeAndre Ayton just decided. It's too snowy. Was there a blizzard out there again? I mean, you shouldn't lose ever by 37 points on your home floor in an NBA game, even if you're playing a team that's better than you. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and that's a no show. Somebody lost by 50 the other day to the Celtics. Yeah, but like, at least oh. it was on the road. It was Brooklyn at Boston. Uh, yeah, and there was a live spread. That I don't know that you should ever lose by 50, regardless. Yeah, yeah home or away. <laughs> the live spread was minus 47 and a half at the at the time that they had like their the biggest live deficit. spread. Hey, 97.3, the fans' microphones on MLB Network, everybody. Hey, and the yellow hat of the Padre Spring training is on the head of Xander Bogarts. Yes, but that's it answering for the a bunch of questions we made yesterday. Now I do find I do have odds. Now I found them. Took you long enough. Well, for what? they're, they're the not, Daytona 500. Yeah, they're not in the format that I like. It's not like the plus 200 or something, but they're like the what format for? that Chris likes. 19 to 2, 10 to 1 odds, things of that nature. So the Kyle Busch is 10 to 1, Denny Hamlin 10 to 1, Brad Keselowski 19 to 2, or 19, yeah, Ryan Blaney 11 to 1, Joey Logano 12 to 1, Chase Elliott 14 to 1. Longest odds I could find, BJ McLeod 250 to 1. So there you guys go. I have no response to that. <laughs> wish I could. I don't I know wish, why. I, I wish I had a comment for I you. I think it's so funny when people have a, I'm too cool for NASCAR. Or, I'm too cool for motorsports. I, I'm just not. I, I, didn't say, no I didn't say anything of the kind. I just Scraven, don't you are enjoy NASCAR. You famous for putting words in people's mouths. I, I, uh, Neither uh, of us uh, ever uh, said we were too cool for NASCAR. I yeah, need I my time that. back, everybody. I can't listen to NASCAR. I don't care for NASCAR racing. That doesn't mean that it, I have anything further to say. I don't think Chris is alone in that. I'm better than all of you because I don't right. pay Could attention to Could you stop talking like that, please? <laughs> you know, you're, so bad. You're, you're, uh, your versions of my voice <laughs> get worse and worse and worse. No, my versions of your voice just match the situation that's in, and you were too hoity-toity for us, so I had to be a hoity-toity voice. Oh, my I don't watch NASCAR. <laughs> what are you supposed to be? Sean Connery. Sean Connery is right back. Lucky fake Sean anyway, Connery. Anyway, Chris, take it away. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Now you're like Eeyore. Things you should be doing instead of watching NASCAR this weekend. What? Uh, focus in on some of these games. Uh, all right, first up on our uh, bet. Last night, by the way, Scraby, you were 3-2. and two. I was 3-2, and two, Tony 2-3. Two and three. Uh, Texas Longhorns are a two-and-a-half run favorite over the San Diego Toreros tonight in the college baseball opener down in Austin. 
I remember many years ago, USD went in there and beat Texas early in the season, two out of three, and kind of stamped themselves as a national baseball contender. I don't know where USD is these days, but uh, two and a half runs, I'll take USD. Why not? I don't know. It's just one baseball game. Tony, what about you? Give me the Brock Ungridge-led yeah, USD. Yeah, got a good Brock there. Terreros. Scraby? You know, I did some talking to someone about this uh, very game. Yeah, and where did that talking to someone get who, you? Oh, who was that someone? Braden Suprenant? I'm not going to reveal my story. Yeah, I'm sure it, it was. Sounds like it. But I'm going to take, and this is not based on what he said, but I'm just feeling like Texas wins. Sorry. Oh, wow. Based on what he said. Sorry. No, it's not You know what I got for you, Scraby? What? Horns down? Horns down. Chris, you better not do that. Yeah, I know. People are going to yeah, get mad. Yeah, yeah. You, you might get attacked when you leave here. <laughs> you know, it's just classless when, when they go horns down. It's really not. It's not. It's not at all, actually. Stop taking it so hard. Uh, tonight out at Viejas Arena, San Diego State is a six-point favorite over the New Mexico Lobos. Tony, we've already talked about it. Well, of course, the only thing we've talked about is the fact that Jalen House is the most hated player in the conference. The Aztecs better, you know, realize that New Mexico has got some other pretty good players beyond him. What do you think tonight, Aztecs? I think the Aztecs pass with flying colors tonight. Okay. One thing the Aztecs have better do is get off to a good start, which they have not been doing at all recently. They've been down like 10 points in the first five minutes of three or four straight games. Scraby, what about you? Lobos plus six? Hmm. Interest you? Yes. Taking the Lobos. Yeah, I think I think San Diego State wins, but it's going to be close. Yeah, this is going to be a close game. I I think New Mexico stays within six, but I'm hoping the Aztecs find a way. Last year, the only game the Aztecs lost at home was to New Mexico. Time to avenge the loss. Got to avenge that. Tomorrow, number one ranked UConn gets a challenge. They're at home, but seven-point favorites over Marquette. Marquette's a top-20 team. And uh, I believe Scraby's first yes. on this one. I did see Marquette was doing good things, so I'm going to pick Marquette. You're going to take the seven. Yes, I am. Against the defending national champs. Yes. Number one team in the land. Yes. I'll take Marquette also. Uh, UConn's due for one game where they're just a little off. They've been on a serious roll for a while now. Tony, what about you? Yeah, this ain't it. It'll be UConn tonight. UConn again. That's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Saturday game. Uh, one more in the Mountain West tomorrow. Colorado State minus four against the league leaders, Utah State. Game is at Colorado State, Tony. Oh, I like. You know, we talk about going on the road. Not easy in the Mountain West. Give me Colorado State. Given the points. Scraby? Colorado State's minus four, right? That's See. right. Your old alma mater, but of course every place One is of your alma mater. I don't, I, yeah, old I don't really say maters. that anymore because every game, every place is your alma mater. Okay, I, I was just trying to get a college education, okay? <laughs> yeah, in many places. <laughs> Nobody would keep you. <laughs> My college education consisted of... Every college kept spitting you back out of the system. Every college, um, or Colorado State, I, made, I majored in partying in Colorado State. So. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Utah State. Oh, you're going to take the points. I'll take Colorado State as well. The home court advantage. Um, One more. Sunday, Tony will be the only one in this room watching this game. All-star game? 
The West yeah. is favored by two and a half over the East. This is the dumbest bet we've ever made. No, no it's not. How they, My favorite. How they, how they have found a way to put a spread on the All-Star game is beyond me, but they have. They're going to play defense this year. They have deemed that the West is two and a half <laughs> points better. They don't, they're going to play defense they're this gonna year? They're going to play defense this year. It's well, going to be we'll like see. 87, 85 this year? No, no, that's too much defense. <laughs> that yes, would nev- yeah, never yeah. happen. Uh, Scraby, you're up for the uh, um, classic all-star matchup. You know, I'm going to go with the West. You're going to give the points. Yep. Oh, I got a, I got a better bet than this, honestly. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. You're good taking the West? I'll take, the, let's see, the Bulls don't have a player, right? So I'll no. take the West also. No reason for me to root for the East. Tony, West? I'm taking the West. Okay, I'm adding a bet. <laughs> oh. The over-under for this game. Oh. Listen to this. Mm. 300. 363 points is the over-under. They're expecting a score of 180-something to 180-something. Tony. Give me the under. You're going to say under. You're, you're standing by your I'm standing prediction by the that defense. they're going to play defense. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. I'm saying that's the first 200-point game in NBA history. Somebody will get really? 200. I'll go over. Scraby? Mm, I'm going to go under. You're going to go under. That's also. a lot. Oh, that's a ton. All right. We'll see how we do on Monday, uh, Tuesday. So we're off Monday. Yes, we are. Let's Very get good. the break. Let's get back on track here. More going to Chris on the other side. or some traffic. All right. Welcome back to the program. 322 is the time. Chris Ello, Tony Gwynn Jr., Mr. Scraby. Uh, ESPN Plus, the pay-for-service service that I subscribe to on my very own, just to get great information for all of you out there, asked 11 experts to pick their Super Bowl for next year. Thought this was interesting, Scraby. Thought you'd enjoy. Of the 11, how many do you think have the 49ers returning to the Super Bowl next year? 11. I don't know. Tony says 11. All 11 have the 49ers returning to the Super Bowl, according to Tony. How about you, Scraby? I'm just going to say because Chris would only bring this up if the 49ers were being talked trash on. But zero. (laughs) Talked trash on. Seth Walder, sports analytics writer is the only one of the 11 that predicts the 49ers will be back in the Super Bowl next year. That's a fair prediction, though. It isn't a bad idea. Uh, We already went over the fact that no Super Bowl losing quarterback or making a debut and losing the Super Bowl has ever gone back to the Super Bowl. At least 18 straight times that's happened. No, that means great. And that means Brock Purdy's never going to find another Super Bowl again. Not only that, that means Kyle should start looking for his replacement. Uh, I'm sure he already is. Trust me. <laughs> You're probably he, right. He, he goes through quarterbacks quick. Well, he's going to have to blame somebody beyond Steve Wilkes. Right. So he, maybe he'll he doesn't have that, maybe he doesn't he'll have blame Brock's per, Brock Purdy next. Uh, the other thing is is that there's a long stretch here of Super Bowl losing teams struggling the following season. Now the Eagles looked like they were going to switch the uh, script on that the way they started this year. Were they 11 and one to start the year. Yeah, something like something, that. 10 yeah. and 0, 11 and one. Anyway, yeah, they just Man. faded completely down the stretch. So. Right now, you'd have to. I think you'd have to favor the 49ers. Everybody's favoring them, et cetera, but lots going to happen between now and then. Uh, of the 11, who do you think they say most is going to go to the Super Bowl? Chiefs. From the NFC side? No, from the NFC side. Detroit. Cowboys. Nope. Detroit, five. Really? Green Bay, three. What? The Rams, two. Huh? San Francisco, one. 
That's your right. 11. On the AFC side, it's either Chiefs or Bills. Yeah, no, Baltimore. Bengals. Huh? Chris, where are the Dolphins? Nowhere. No oh, Baltimore? Okay. Not one. Not one. Not even Baltimore. That's surprising. Uh, there's one lunatic in here. Lunatic. <laughs> well, I'm going to say he's a lunatic. You be the judge. His name is Mike Tannenbaum. <laughs> NFL front office insider says the Lions will benefit from both coordinators returning to Detroit, etc. They are the team I expect to win the NFC. They will win the Super Bowl, but I see them holding off. Justin Herbert, Jim Harbaugh, and the Chargers. Oh, come on, please! I saw a rumor. How of... mad would that make San Diego? No hey, well, kidding. it's not going to happen, so we don't. It's really not going to happen. Just, I mean, I'm, come I'm on, just over saying. the Bengals, over the I'm, Chiefs, I'm over just, the Ravens, over the Bills, I'm over just, the Dolphins, over the Dolphins. I'm just saying. No chance. I bet saying. you the Jets even beat the Chargers. Which, next year. Would you rather have at least had the thought than to be surprised and it happened, and all of a sudden you got to deal with it? It wouldn't affect my day. Oh, you're life. saying that it's good that we're putting it in our just, head just, now just, just in just, case something like this just happens? Just have it in there. Not likely. Don't worry about it because Mike Tannenbaum has not ever been right once. <laughs> that is accurate. Right? Isn't it? <laughs> right? I mean, this guy accurate. comes up with stuff that is so far out of left field. Here's something that's not out of left field, Scraby. Your guy caught for cheating. That's right. Former 49er quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo will be oh, suspended for the first God. two games Jimmy of the season. Jimmy what do you mean he's not your guy? Who loves him more than you do? Jimmy G, Jimmy there G, was a Jimmy time. G, Jimmy there G, was a Jimmy time. G. Yes, Come he on. was the 49ers quarterback. I have to love him by default. You don't have to. You didn't love Trey Lance. Jimmy G, uh, using the performance-enhancing substances, I do want to defend him to a certain extent. Apparently, the violation is said to be related to him using a prescribed medication, but it did not have a valid he didn't have a use exemption from the league. Therapeutic so sound, use exemption? Yes, it sounds a little like it was some uh, some red tape that yeah. he didn't... Uh, he didn't clear. That he didn't clear, as opposed to just taking a needle and jamming it into his arm. Yeah, you got to have that So two- we'll give Jimmy G the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Man, that was a graphic description. <laughs> graphic description. Uh, you know who I saw? Steroid use by Jimmy some, G. you got to have that TUI, man, that, that, that therapeutic exemption. Oh, right? yeah. Yes. You get in trouble. So this morning I got a text from our old guys, Odd Thomas and Will Galvez, mm-hmm. and they sent me a tweet that was telling me who is rumored to likely take over as defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Can you guess who it is? Can I guess who it is? I'm not um, happy about it. All right. Must have a defensive have coordinator. A, yep. Does he have a connection to the Dolphins? No. Oh, not that right. I know. You're safe then. Brandon. Staley, oh, yeah. former Chargers ah! head coach, yeah. who he is a defensive guy, but well, when his defense was on the field last year, they were awful. He won't be able to go for it on fourth down, so you don't have to worry about that. <sighs> they shouldn't I have fired like Steve this. Wilkes in the first place. And they, they, and they, well, they, they proved have, it but. with a graphic on uh, television I the other s- day. I, I saw it. Steve Wilkes' defense is better than the one the two De- years before with De- better DeMarco, Ryan. D'Amico Ryan and better than... Uh, in what regard? In what metrics? In yardage and points Just, yeah. and everything. I know. I know. But didn't you hear the philosophy <laughs> issues? <laughs> yeah. But and why didn't you hear the Fred Warner? I'm so glad that someone, Stephen A. brought it up. He said, "Well, then, what did you hire him in the first place?" That's I, what I said. I am. I'm afraid that 
karma will have an impact on your 2024 five season next year's great. It's not going to happen. I'm just telling you. I Ten think of the eleven experts say no happen. return of the Super Bowl Chris for the 49ers. Only, karma. Chris only likes to bring up experts when they fit his narrative. So and it's a fun narrative. No, I, mean, I brought uh, up Mike Tannenbaum. He doesn't fit my narrative. He's got the charges. No, in but the Super he ultimately fixed your. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Yes, because yes, he ultimately does. Scraby, it's okay, buddy. It's going to be a long season for you next year. I, by the way, I've been getting heat about the 49ers and how much I talk about them. Go back and check the tape. I didn't bring this up at all. No, we did. We did. We happy en- to bring it up. We Scraby. enjoy terrorizing you about the 49ers. You mean happy when we to go to commercial break and you turn up the mic'd up segment that's on the NFL <laughs> and it was the part where Dre Greenlaw got hurt and you did that? Yeah. I, I just wanted to hear, I wanted to feel the emotion on the field at that point. I already felt it. I'm sorry. I didn't. I needed that in my life. Okay. Scraby, are you a, are you a hater on the news from Kansas City today? That the one and only Taylor Swift donated one hundred thousand dollars to the family of Lisa Lopez Galvin, That's the, one lady the woman who was, who was killed in the yeah. shooting during the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl victory parade. I read this headline. I immediately felt really nice about it, really good about it. I think it's a really great gesture by Taylor Swift. But I can just see people out there going, "Oh, she's only doing this for the publicity, etc." Um, so I, I have to ask you, how do you, you, how do you feel to, about it, I mean, is this going to make your way into your daily rant later on in the oh, no. Scraby Chronicles? This is a good thing. No, no, this is well, okay with you? My daily rant has to do with how I'm getting old, so I'll tell you about Because I'm just going to give you all of you a little insight into what Scraby said off no, the air. No, no, let me talk about what I said. <laughs> all right, well, then, then include what you told me. I, give them the whole story. I don't honestly remember, but... I am no. I know the gist of it, and it was that You're so I think conveniently it's amazing. Forgetful. No, I think it's amazing that she's donating a hundred thousand dollars to this family because that is what this family needs. But she signed it Taylor Swift. Like, why do you need to sign it Taylor Swift? I, I and I'm not. I, I really am not going to like badmouth her for this, but I because I know that she wasn't the one that was actually doing this. Like it one of her people. You're was. saying it should have been anonymous. Yeah, I mean. And I'm not thinking that she wants any publicity. She does not need any publicity. No, There's no so. publicity stunt here. But it was But very she can strange. use a little goodwill in the minds of, especially in the minds of football fans. I think everybody is going out there going to say, hey, this is a really nice thing to do. Agree. Football fans are hit and miss on Taylor Swift. You know, whether it's her fault or even, not. I think that even means Kansas City fans. I was listening to their mayor talk about it and the way he was talking about it. And yeah. Kind of indicated that. She's pulled too much attention away from the Chiefs? No, no. He oh. was saying that some of the fan base is feeling that way. He said personally he thinks it's a good thing for their, their team. But uh, I, I think that's a sentiment that uh, I do. quite a few people have. So, anyway. Thumbs Tyler up makes to- a somewhat good point. Well, at least I didn't go this route like Diesel. Only a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Every time I, I think thought, about I, that, I honestly thought that that would have been the first thing I heard. I, I, you know what I thought of when I found this all out? I, I heard Tony in my head telling me, "What? So what? She's got to donate because she's got money." Yeah. So she gives a hundred thousand dollars. But Tyler makes a good point. If she didn't put her name to it, everybody would complain why she didn't give uh, anything. I, I, Tyler, I said the same thing to Scraby off air. I was like, if if she didn't put her name on, you'd be like. I bet you it was Taylor Swift, and she didn't put her name on it because she wanted the publicity. Or they would say that, <laughs> hey, that how I sound? or they would say somebody's <laughs> donating a hundred thousand dollars. Where's Taylor Swift? 
That's that's so also she true. takes care of both. Let of me those just say for in the record, words, I in think other this words, is damned amazing. If you do, damned if you don't. But right. you know, in the notes section as well, she she just copy and paste the same because you because you can only don't I guess you can only donate fifty thousand dollars at a time like that's the max and so she had to donate twice but she put the same blurb in each one. It's for, it's for her record, so it's all good. It's for her records. Yeah. All of you Taylor Swift. You know she's going to write this off, too. All of, you Taylor, all of you Taylor Swift haters, I'm sorry you have to take a little break from your Taylor Swift hate. This is a very kind thing to do. Boom. Coming up, our countdown. You guys about ready or <laughs> you do a last-second deal? Uh, I think we're ready. Subject ready. today. It's going to be a last-second deal for your boy. Well, you'll come up with it. Who are, in our estimation, the five greatest or our five favorite coaches or managers in the history of sports. This is pretty uh, all-encompassing. Think of your favorite five. We'll have ours in the countdown coming up after the break. Three thirty-nine. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, Matt Scravey. Countdown. Top five of our favorite slash greatest coaches of all time. Yeah. No single sport. Covers all of them. Can be anybody, too. Can be somebody that uh, coached you. I mean, if you want to go in that direction. I could have went that route. I decided. You didn't go that route? I I opted away. You mean uh, Jerry, the car salesman who coached you in Poway Little League, is not in the running? (laughs) No, he's not. He's not in the running. (laughs) All right. Although I had some great coaches, um, most of us do. Coaches, coaches, parents, or even alongside your parents, coaches slash teachers have as much effect on there's no doubt young people as anybody. That as a guy who you know played every played almost all sports, yeah, um, those are some of the lessons I think you take with you still as an adult. You know, so yes, sir. Those are uh, those are important people. I'm going to do this life. countdown, but I think everybody already knows the five that I've chosen. I Nick Saban. Shoot. Mm-hmm. Lane Kiffin. Yep. Bobby Petrino. Yeah, there's, that's my favorite of Steve yours. Alford. Tony LaRusso. I didn't realize that's where he's going. Yeah. That's my five. We, I mean, if we really want to do a most hated, that we could definitely come up That'd with a list. That'd be my bottom five. I mean, but you said this, so he has to be on your list. I wanted to congratulate my favorite college football coach, Nick Saban. His guy. That's it. That's what he said. Yeah. It right. wasn't really considered by me for this <laughs> countdown. Let's check traffic and then get to this countdown. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. It's now time for Gwen and Chris to rank their top five of the day. Gonna grip and rip as usual. But this isn't just a regular top five list. I love it. It sounds sadistic, but I love it. This is The Countdown. And it starts right now on 97.3 The Fan. All right, who are our five favorite coaches of all time? Scrape, you want to start? 
Uh, you in sure. the mood to start today? Yeah, why not? All right. Number five. My number five is going to be random for you guys. So, and it, the story behind it is because of how hard this person worked to get to their position. And it would be Miami Heat head coach Eric Spolstra. That's a really good one. Actually. He worked in the video room doing like high or tapes for the scouting department. And so that's how he learned a lot of his basketball was through watching all these videos and putting them together. But he legitimately worked up from the ground to get to where he's at. Yeah, so. and you know how you you know how uh, Scraby loves nepotism <laughs> and people who get jobs thanks to their parents. That's right. Where's he going with this? You're about, uh, to, find out. You're about to find out. But you're about to find out. Eric Spolstra's father was a guy named John Spolstra, who was only president of the Portland Trailblazers mm. for years and years Dang. and years. And I'm not saying that's how Eric Spolster got that. in on the ground that. floor, but it didn't probably didn't hurt. Um, <laughs> I'm just throwing that at you because I know how you love Nepotism. No, hey, you should have seen his whole spirit change <laughs> yes, when he heard I, <laughs> I will say this. I don't like it when people get the... If he was hired to be a head coach right away, that would be... But, right. he, he, but he you're really okay because he had to go from a video guy to... As yeah. long as you have to work your way up. That's what I care about. I'm not taking anything away from Eric Spolster. He's a great coach. I think it's a pretty good call. He's actually a Hall of Fame coach uh, he at this point. He probably is. Yeah. Like, yeah. Tony, no one gave you a starting spot in the major leagues. You had to work for it. No. So That's very true. Yes. Great. That's what I'm after is the work. All right. Who wants to go next? Tony, I'll go next. You go. Um, my first, like, the first real representation of coaches for me was watching college basketball. Okay. And number five on my list, and so college basketball is going to be on this list more than once. But number five on my list is John Thompson, ah, former the late John Thompson, good call. Georgetown Hoya. He uh, was a leader of young men. He certainly was. Really did a hell of a job. Whether we're talking Patrick Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, or even later in Allen Iverson, um, he produced a lot of not only good. Ball players, but dudes who turned out to be good people down the line. Yes, he so, did. Uh, and I think he was a big part of the uh, growth of uh, African Americans getting opportunities in coaching. Yeah, for sure. Because he took the ball and uh, went to the top of the sport with it. People said, hey, wait a minute. What are, why aren't right, we looking right. at this opportunity? It's a good call. Uh, my number five is the only one who coached me. I'm going to go with Coach Dietz. Good one. Uh, the reason I'm going to go with Coach Dietz is because I've always liked the giants of the coaching world. The Bobby Knights, the Krzyzewskis, Dean Smiths, I don't know, in a, a college football, Woody Hayes. Whoever. Anyway, I never got to work with any of those people, but I did get to play under Coach Dietz. And he, see, he's my giant, I guess. I mean, because he was able to run the whole program and did run the entire program. Uh, everything. From mowing the lawn. From groundskeeping yeah. to scheduling right. to recruiting. Right. From He'd... the day that I walked into his office and he said, what classes do you want to take? And he picked up the phone and five minutes later hung up the phone and gave me my class schedule. There you go. That's what I was just so impressed with him. But more, more importantly than that, Tony, as you know, he helped me a lot further on in, in my later life after I was done with baseball. He cared a lot about me and really gave me a lot of opportunities and helped me, uh, you know, just specifically. And he did that for all of his players. So. Yeah, Coach Dietz makes my list, sneaking in at number five. 
Number four. My whole list is a sham after I found out about Eric. <laughs> <laughs> his his spirit is rattled now. I knew he was going to be rattled a, on that uh, We have a chat that I want to read from Dan, and I'm putting it up right now. It says, why Johnny? Scravey look like someone just walked over your grave. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Scravey. He does not True. like nepotism at he all. Does it. Uh, I have another suggestion. Top five coach, Pat Summit. Right, Absolutely. Well, don't give them yeah. all away. We might get to some oh, of these. We only oh, have four, know, Chris. Yeah, yeah, we're only on Where's Bob four. Baffert, Chris? Bob Baffert? Is He's a coach? Coaching? He's a coach. Well, I haven't finished my list yet. I've <laughs> only right. given you one name. <laughs> all right, my number four is going to be a golf coach, and he was uh, kind of credited for how good Tiger was, Butch Harmon. Was Butch. The guy. Butch so, Harmon. He was the, the golf coach to every big name golfer back in like the early 2000s, maybe late 90s type thing. But Butch Harmon has been around for a long time. I will say I give a lot of credit to golf coaches because I think it would be a really difficult thing to do. You're taking one of these guys that is Already naturally gifted, yeah. naturally amazing, and then you look at their swing and you go, all right, got to change that entire thing. And they'll be like, what? Yeah. And they're able to do it. And they get, can. And you, you can't pick up the club for them. They no, have, they to, have act, to do it You have for to be it. able yep. to pass that information along. There was a uh, show with Michael Phelps. He wanted to become a golfer that would hit shoot under 80 and he was the show was with Hank Haney and he practiced every single day for months and he like it just is something you have to be born with is to be a great golfer. Butch Harmon, interesting call. Butch, yes. I wanted to get some different ones. You did. Tony. Number Sorry, four. I was I was lost. I know you're watching the Super Bowl again. <laughs> Number four on my list uh, takes me back to my childhood as well, and I was uh, fortunate enough to end up at a school where he also coached, and that's Steve Fisher. Nice. Number four on my list. He really his his Fab Five got me started on loving basketball. And then to have the opportunity to get to know him, right? You know, see him turn a program that was you could have played for him, Tony. (laughs) Gottlieb told us the story that you were being considered, yeah, as a potential Aztec for a year there. Just being able to to get a chance to know Coach Fisher and then see him build a program from literally from nothing, nothing. Incredible. Um, He he has to be on the list. He's number four on my list. Uh, number four is uh, the most obvious choice I would make, Don Shula. If you're a Dolphin fan, there's no way I can't put him on there. So Shula's in at number four. How about Chris yesterday meaning to hit us with the thumbs up? Oh, and, and I said with oh, the dolphin, dolphin emoji. emoji. Yeah, that was hilarious. But I accept the dolphin emoji yeah. as well as the I can see up. it as a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. That, that means that, that you're happy, you're jumping out of the water. <laughs> thumbs up. And I told you I did get to interview Coach Shula once, and that was a big highlight for me on the radio. He uh, interrupted the interview halfway through from his hotel room because his lunch arrived. Yes. Remember that? Yes, I do. All right. I always ask what sandwich he ordered. But yeah, I can't recall. Yeah. But uh, I, I was <laughs> more like than willing to give him the time said, to go get on, a me, I got to answer the door. My food's here. Give me a second. And I said, okay. <laughs> it's I like mean, the it's most Don important Shula. thing about the interaction was what was he eating, but yeah. you didn't get that. I probably did. I just don't recall. Oh, it's okay. been a while. I could sorry. definitely see Chris asking him when he came back, but what'd you get? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number three. 
Uh, my number three is someone that was very nice to me in my early days of radio. So this is a personal connection, but this guy. Competitors don't make excuses. Uh, they just make plays. Rocky hey, Long. that's a great call. Good because call. I used to, one of my first jobs in sports radio was going to the Rocky Long press conference every week. And I asked questions, and he always asked my question. Even if it was ridiculous, and one time I asked him what he was watching on Netflix, and he gave me a great answer. So he made me feel like maybe I can do this whole question. He's a real. It was a train. It was a show. It was like a documentary on a train, like company. Okay. I've never heard of it, but he really loved it. He had glowing reviews of it. Rocky Long's as real of a person as you'll ever find out there. Yeah. All right, number three, Tony Gwynn Jr. Uh, this man allowed my childhood to be different than probably every other childhood in, in America, or other baseball players at least. Uh, Bruce Bochy's number three on my list. Yes. Uh, not because I got a chance to play for him, but certainly spent a lot of time in his clubhouses growing up. It was a welcoming environment. I learned a lot about baseball and life being in those clubhouses, and it, without the manager's uh, consent, uh, none of that would have happened, and Bruce Bochy allowed allowed me to grow up in a in a That's right. He clubhouse. let you run around in he there. He did. I didn't run around too much in there, but <laughs> um, yeah, Bruce Bochy's third on my list. That's just aside from the World Series, uh, he's been able to stack no up at kidding, this point. Man. So yeah, Bochy would have made my list, but he should have won one with the Padres before <laughs> heading out. Uh, number three for me is the Wizard of Westwood, John Wooden. I grew up in L.A., and you talk about shaping a young person's life. I certainly never played for him, but I read everything he ever wrote and heard everything he ever said. And if you follow the advice of John Wooden, things turn out pretty good. And it was probably, you know, it's a generation or two before everybody is around now. But the Wizard of Westwood was uh, way up there on my in my childhood growing up in L.A. All right. Number two. Number My number two is... Oh. How could I ever forget Mr. Earl Weaver? Chris was the one Chris was the one who introduced me to Earl Weaver right when I started working the show. And I have watched so many Earl Weaver videos, and I can't play any of them because it's all no. bleeps the entire time. Especially the one where he's like, he's like, you're bleeping, bleep, bleep. And the guy's like, calm down, Earl. He's the umpire. Calm down, Earl. <laughs> really great. Look up Earl Weaver videos. That's a good example of how umpires used to handle crazy managers back then. (laughs) Like he's trying to play peacemaker, whereas now it just feels like they would have been nose to nose, both spitting on each other, yelling at each other. Yeah, There are some classic clips of Earl Weaver. He's got to be the most entertaining manager of all time. Uh, Number two on my list is a split. I couldn't decide between the two, but I love me some Pat Riley. I love me some Phil Jackson. They nah, both yeah. brought championships to my team. Earlier, I got to watch my dad's excitement of Pat Riley's and the Magic Johnson, James Worthy era, and then Phil Jackson came over, and I got to enjoy the Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal era. I think two of the greatest coaches in the NBA history right there. Pretty good. And who knew Pat Riley was going to be a great coach? He was a commentator. The the best part about Pat is that he very much – I feel like he saw a lot of himself in Eric Spolstra when he hired him because that was very basically the same path Pat Riley took to becoming a head coach. Yeah. 
Number two for me, you mentioned him, Steve Fisher. I think he's one of the greatest, not only coaches I've ever met, but greatest guys I've ever had a chance to hang out with and spend a lot of time with. And the job he did at San Diego State is beyond, I don't know that anybody could ever match it anywhere yeah. you ever went. Uh, and just uh, just the most sensational guy I've, you know, I've hung out with in, in the coaching profession and that I can think of. So, And, and the Fab Five is just an addition to it. And how – talk about somebody taking advantage of an opportunity. Remember, he was an assistant coach at Michigan when uh, Bill Frieder got fired right before the NCAA tournament. Somebody said, Steve Fisher, you go ahead and coach these guys. Right before the tournament started. And all he did was win all six games in the national championship. That was just his first act, too. Yeah, that, that'll put you on the You map. can argue his second act was, was even stronger. Yeah. Coach Fish, number two for me. Number one. Self-serving by – the Jim Harbaugh stint with the 49ers is my favorite coaching period of all time because huh. I was old enough to remember. See, you're not old enough to remember it. Bill Walsh because I thought no. for sure he'd be on your list. See, I don't remember Bill Walsh. I barely remember George Seifert, but I definitely remember Jim Harbaugh and what he did. And I was the happiest 49er fan in the world during that time. And then he left, and then Chip Kelly came in, and I became a depressed one. Anyway... Uh, Jim Harbaugh, 49ers, on my list. Number one on my list is Jim Dietz, San Diego uh-huh. State's Numero coach. Uno. Uh, for all the reasons, I mean, this man did everything. I mean, including having a chopper fly over our field to get the water <laughs> off after a couple Still rainy days. Still the craziest thing I've heard. I mean, he, he, did, he just did everything. He literally, he was the first person that at least opened my eyes to the fact that one day I could play college baseball. First one. Uh, and, you know, initially I didn't believe him. I thought, okay, this is my dad's coach just telling me something I want to hear. But he was uh, steadfast. He just never left it alone. And so, yeah, he's number one on my list. My number one greatest coach of all time is Phil Jackson. Uh, not only for what he accomplished and you're the Lakers, I'm with the Bulls. But everything I've ever read by Phil Jackson, and I highly recommend a book called Sacred Hoops, Spiritual Lessons of a Hardwood Warrior. Taught me a lot about coaching, but more about life and uh, lessons that I've carried through to this day. Phil Jackson, my number one. All right. All righty. That, my friend, is the end of the 3 o'clock hour. We have Popovich in the chat real quick before we go. Popovich. Greg Popovich. Oh, great coach. All right. Spurs, though. Sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) Chris versus the fans on the way, 833-288-0973. Here we go at 4 o'clock. Welcome back to Gwen and Chris. Chris Ello, Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scraby. San Diego's number one sports talk station. That would be 97.3 The Fan. Don't forget next Thursday, first broadcast of the year, Padres baseball, spring training action against the Los Angeles Dodgers. You'll hear the game starting at noon next Thursday right here on 97.3 The Fan. Tony Gwynn Jr., Jesse Agler will be uh, on the mics once again this year. Looking forward to that. It's going to be another great year of Padre baseball. And one thing they will be describing is Xander Bogarts playing second base and Hassan Kim shifting over to shortstop. That was announced today by manager Mike Schilt. We played a bunch of sound from Xander Bogarts earlier on the program. Suffice to say, uh, he chose his words carefully and wisely. And... uh, I don't think he's thrilled about it, but at the same time, he's doing what a good teammate and professional should do, Tony, which is 
go on over to second base and uh, figure on doing the best he can there. Yeah, be a pro. That's what they, you know, sometimes as a leader, and I I don't think there's any doubt Xander's one of the the big leaders on this team, um, you have to put your own wants aside uh, for the betterment of the team. And I, I think it's pretty clear that he's not fully on board with moving just yet, but I think he recognizes this is something the team thinks is best, and he's going to do it. He's going to do it nonetheless, and um, I think it takes it takes the right type of individual to get to move or to ask these type of um, situations, to ask of these type of situations, but uh, Xander's going to do it, and I think the team is going to be better for it. Uh, one other baseball note to pass along before we get to Chris versus the fans. Uh, utility man. I don't want to say utility man because he's a starter, but he plays a bunch of different positions. Whit Merrifield has signed today with the Philadelphia Phillies, a one-year contract worth about $8 bucks, which seems really affordable, but I think fair to point out that he is 35 years old. He's been around for a while. Phillies are going to take a shot on Whit Merrifield. So. This was a big topic last night on the Scravy Show, so we got some answers. What do you mean? What was the big topic? Um, I was talking about different free agents that are out there right now that would be cheap and also just could come in for like a one-year deal. And so it was Whit Merrifield came up, but then I looked. He was 35 years old, and I was like, I don't know. So I looked at his stats. 26 stolen bases last year. He had he had a good year last year for $8 million. But anyway, he's not going to be a Padre. Right now, the Phillies have Brandon Marsh slated to play left field, young Johan Rojas in center. They have uh, second base, Bryson Stott. Those are the positions that Merrifield plays. But I imagine he'll fill in and uh, get his uh, turn at all of those spots and more. So there you have it. You're pretty much up to date. Aztecs, New Mexico, later on tonight at Viejas. Talk a little bit more about that. But first, got to have some trivia. If you had one shot, one opportunity to take down the human almanac himself, howdy do. Now is your time. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. Now is your opportunity to win a prize. Well, I hope you know what you're in for. Chris versus the fans starts now on 97.3 The Fan. All right. Do we do the uh, prize yet? We have not. All right. I love when you do it. I don't want to do it today. <laughs> All right, you're qualified for the grand prize, a two-night stay at Westgate Las Vegas. Two tickets. See how I'm just a team player? Team I just player. jump right in. Pick uh, up two, the slack, baby. That's right, wherever I'm needed. Uh, two tickets to Air Supply with a legacy spanning decades. Air Supply, and yes, they get plenty of Air Supply. They continue to captivate hearts. They're now in their 45th anniversary year. They continue to play more than 130 shows a year worldwide. They'll be celebrating their music and enduring legacy May 31st, June 1st at the Westgate International. Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. The Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino features newly designed premier rooms, part of their $70 million room renovations, home of legendary Vegas fun. The Rules. You have to make it through three questions. You see how I jump in there just like a team player? Mm. Just going for it. I'm glad you decided to be a team player this time. You have to make it through three questions. Each question will get more difficult. If you get the question right, you move on. If you get it wrong and Chris gets it right, you're eliminated. But if Chris gets it wrong, then you move on to the next question or you win. If you are a first-time player. Player. 
disappointed. All right. I'm doing something oh, different. Oh, Frankie Blue Eyes over there. Thought, the uh, thought, <laughs> thought you were a team player. Oh, by the way, I'm watching it, and I didn't click on this. It just came up on my screen. The NBA celebrity basketball game is getting underway in the All-Star Week, and, of course, they're playing on the... Oh, the tr- the, the oh, glass floor. floor. Where is or that? The, yeah, you guys got to watch this. It's a, it's a little different look. It's on ESPN or TNT? Looks like, uh, I'm assuming ESPN, since it's showing up on ESPN.com. Okay. So, Good, we can turn off the stupid Super Bowl now. Scraby. <laughs> 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 Let's get to our uh, first contestant of the day. Oh, wait. Did I ever finish first time player? I, I'm not sure. If you... Let us know before the first question. You get that for free. <laughs> All right. First participant. Ryan, welcome to the show. How are you today? Happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday, gentlemen. Going nice. to the game tonight. Oh, sweet. Nice. Blackout. Let's go. First question. Have fun, Ryan. Try to take it, take it a little easy on Jalen House. No, don't take it easy on him. Oh, hard to pace. Be tough. Give it to him hard. Give it to him. What number does Patrick Mahomes wear? That is correct. Winner. By the way, we're loaded with questions today. Yep. Question number two. Hmm. Who closed the most games for the Braves last season? Who closed the most games? Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh, man. Stay there. Iglesias? Never mind. Iglesias is. Hey, I do play in a fantasy baby, baseball. Did you see who the celebrity that yes, just came I cannot down? get away from the Super Bowl. <laughs> we, I, we turn McCall on Hardman this thing comes, and McCall, McCall Hartman's in the game. Down the, the first one to be introduced. <laughs> but I got to say, this floor looks crazy. You like it or it's just too crazy for I you? I like so it. Far? I gotta see the game being played. The thing but... is, they have a red carpet out, and I thought initially it was like a red carpet no, rolled out, but floor. it's part of the floor. That's it's basically crazy. a big TV. That's crazy. All right, here we floor go. Floor is something to see. For Next sure. contestant, Brandon. Welcome to the show, Brandon. Hey, Tony, Chris, Gravy, how you doing? Hi, we Brandon. Well. Good, Brandon. We are well. Here we go. First question. The five hundred. And Daytona 500 stands for what? Brandon knows this. Mild. I'm not the biggest NASCAR fan, but I know that. Yeah. Got that one. (laughs) How many laps is that, Brandon? Do you know? I don't know. All right. You don't need to know that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like 200. 200. Yeah. Because the track is 2.25 miles? Two and a half, I believe. Two and a half. I don't know. No one cares. Everybody cares. Question number two. Where is the world's largest bullfighting ring? <laughs> Digging deep. I'm going to assume somewhere in Texas. I'll say Dallas. Dallas, oh. Texas. Hello for the steel. Stay there, Brandon. Madrid. Madrid. Nah. Madrid. My best shot. No, Mexico City is actually Mexico. the answer. Oh, Mexico City. City. That would probably would have been a Brandon, you're still in this thing. As still we alive, Brandon. To question number three. Who was the first non-American golfer 
to win the Masters? The first? First. Come on. Rory McIlroy. Well, he would have to win the Masters first. He has not won one yet. No, that's the only thing he needs left for the career Grand, grand Slam. Uh, I only have 10 seconds, right? Yeah. So I can't really think it through. Yeah. So oh. since I can't think it through, I got to go with the first person that came to my mind who's a foreign player, Gary Player. I, I, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon. Gary Player, 1961. Yeah. You know, I, I almost went with Seve Ballesteros, and ooh, then I thought of good. Uh, Gary Player on there, top of that. You know, I felt like there was a, a high probability that Chris would pull Gary Player out of his hat. So Yeah. Pretty right. popular, pretty well-known golfer. All right, let's go uh, back to the phone lines. Juan is our next contestant. Juan, oh, wait. Juan's gone Juan's now. gone. We go to Miguel. Juan's no longer with us. Miguel? <laughs> Juan, we hope you actually are still with us, just not with us. How yep. are you, Miguel? I'm good, Tony. I'm good. Hi, Miguel. Here we go. Here we go. First Three. question. Miguel, uh, who is going to play shortstop for your Padres this season? Looks like it's going to be Hassan Kim. Uh, I'm going to say you're right. Sure does. By the way, it looks really cold in uh, Indianapolis right now. Did you see that snow coming sideways? I did not. My Lord. Uh, Question number two will be Andy Reid coached for what NFL team to start his NFL coaching career? I'm going to say the Eagles. He's going to say the Eagles, ladies and gentlemen. Stay there. Wait, what is this? It's not his head coach? It's not no, just coaching the, oh, career. Just coaching wherever. Oh, God. I don't know. You would never guess where he started his, um, his, where his coaching career. Yeah, his entire coaching career. I'll try the Packers, but I don't know. What? <laughs> I got it. I, I must have read it somewhere, seriously. He, I mean, to be fair, Andy looks like he worked for the Packers at some point. I, I must have seen it somewhere <laughs> in his bio. What was he, like a quarterback's coach or something? Uh, to start, he was Wasn't he with Holmgren? Assistant he was with Holmgren. offensive yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. So I think coach. I actually just We've seen pictures of him on, on, on the sideline. Guess where he started. What do you mean? Like his what? coaching career. As a, as oh, a coach. First ever coaching Isn't job. here? No. Nope. BYU. Oh, oh, awesome. He went to BYU. Awesome. Really? I didn't know better. this until I looked at this. Yeah. I don't tell me anymore. I like yeah, Andy Reid. I, I, <laughs> I want to try to keep liking him. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, we got oh, wait, Juan's or... back. All right. Juan. Juan is with us. Gonna go with Hello, him. Juan. How's it going? It's going Hi, Juan. well, man. Here we go. First question. I hope you uh, can win Juan today. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the longest tenured head coach in cowboy history? Cowboys. Uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy. How about them cowboys? Oh, my goodness. It's got to be Tom Landry, I would think. He was there for 100 years. I mean, it could. Sorry, it can't be in Jerry Jones' there. He doesn't keep coaches long enough for you to have a no. long tenure. Tom Landry so. was true. the only coach they had for like the first thirty years of the franchise. All right, let's go to our next contestant. <laughs> Poor Scraby. He did all these questions, and they're just getting picked it's okay, off. It's a three day weekend, one by one. Riley, welcome to the show. Happy Friday. Hey, happy Friday, Tony. Here we go. First question. 
What is Tiger Woods' new clothing brand called? Sun Space Day. One more. Give it to me again. Uh, Sunday Red. There you go. I like how you said Sun Space Day. <laughs> that is the way to answer go. that question correctly. Question number two. Oh, okay. Um, how do you pronounce this? In Oh, in what sport is the Iroquois? Iroquois Cup what? awarded. Oh, God. This is a two? I believe the uh, lacrosse. You wow. are spot on, my man. I even man. think lacrosse is, uh, was a Native American. Like, they, they started playing it. How do you Riley, say that again? Just, Iroquois? Riley, Iroquois. just take the championship with that. I mean, come on. You got lacrosse. <laughs> well done. That's, well that's, done. A, that's a well-known thing. Here we it's go. It's not a well-known thing. <laughs> number three. What model holds the record for most SI swimsuit edition covers with five? Ah, oh, man, I had this memorized. <laughs> I, don't I think uh, her first name is Irina. Irina Shayek, I think her name is. Irina Shayek. Uh-oh, Scraby got Shea. to go in the archives here. Oh, he says that's incorrect. I really don't know, but I'm going to go for one from my uh, heyday, uh, Elle McPherson. Oh, my God. <laughs> is she in? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Riley. <laughs> sorry, Riley. Oh, we gotta go tiebreaker. We do now. Okay, Al McPherson was who's our player? Heyday. Our player will be Kevin McReynolds. Okay, Kevin McReynolds. Oh, I thought that was our contestant. I'm like, really? <laughs> Kevin McReynolds is on the line. Kevin on the show from the old Arkansas Razorback. Oh, well, that means that Chris definitely knows what's up with Kevin McReynolds. Well, he was a center fielder on the 84 World Series team. All right. No, pretty well. Lined up next to uh, Tony's father out there in the outfield. Okay, well, okay. I'm sorry. Shouldn't and he played for that. the Mets, too. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Andrew. Andrew, welcome to the show. Are you aware of how the tiebreaker works? Of course, of course. Of course. And I'm right. so glad you changed my name in the system to be Andrew instead of Andre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah, that's it right. Worked. It worked. It did work. I'm glad to hear that we, we had it work Thank for you. you. Instead of, hey, Andre, coming on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we did it like three or four times we before did. we got it fixed. We did. All right, Chris. I what? was like, yeah, well, Andrew was here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chris, what was Kevin McReynolds' career batting average? It uh, doesn't really matter how many years he played. Uh, he had 250. 250. Wasn't a great hitter, but, you know, good enough. More of a power guy. I say 250. Andrew, is his career average higher or lower than 250? No offense to Kevin McReynolds, but lower. Lower. Sorry, oh, Andrew. Kevin McReynolds. Kevin McReynolds took offense. <laughs> <laughs> These eighty players, man, you had to hit back then. That's true. They didn't let you have a bad average. Two sixty-five. Two sixty-five. All right. Let's go. We got some new players. Uh, let's go with our guy John and Temecula. John and Temecula. Give John a shot here. Hey, happy Friday, guys. Happy, happy Friday, Friday, John. John. All right, John, how many, or sorry, Chris, how many home runs did he hit in his career? Uh, I'm going to need to know how many years he played for that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Twelve. Twelve. Wow. He had about 20-something for the Padres, but I don't know that he did 20 every year 12 times. I'm going to say 175 home runs. 175. John, is the actual answer higher or lower than 175? Mm, 
boy, it's right around there. I'm going to go lower. You're going to go lower. Wait, what did you say, Chris? 175? 175. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, John. How many did he hit? 211. 211 from Kevin Mack. He, he almost tw- hit about 20 per year then. He Not had bad. 29 home runs in 87. That was his highest. Yeah. All as, right. as a Met? Yes, as a Met. All right. Was it easy to hit in the old Shea Stadium? I liked it. Easier yeah. than the old uh, Qualcomm Stadium when he played there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that or was a, whatever. I think it was just a, a graveyard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's go to uh, Glenn in Coronado. What's up, Glenn? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Thanks for taking the call. Of course. Hi, All right, Glenn. I'm going to ask Chris this question, and then you have a chance to win this prize. Chris, how many at-bats? Did he have in his career? Oh, good. Trying to make this harder. Yes, you are. Well, I mean, but it, you, okay. <laughs> 12 <laughs> years times 300 at bats would be 4,000. 4,000. All right, Glenn, is the actual answer higher or lower than 4,000? I'm going to say it's higher. It's got to be. You are correct. All right. Nice job, Glenn. Stay we got right a winner. Stay right there, Glenn. Yeah. It was 5,423 at yeah. I figured 4,000 was a little low, but we needed a winner. Otherwise, we're going <laughs> to beat into been the Scraggy Chronicles. So. <laughs> Let's get to break. More Gwyn and Chris on the other side. Here's some traffic. Recovered by Gabby Marshall. Here comes Clark. How will she go for history? women's college basketball. Caitlin Clark with the logo three for the record. She's impressive. She's yeah, very, you know very what? impressive. And, and the funny thing is, is she sets this all-time incredible record and she hits this 40-foot shot. And all Scraby's concerned with is the fact that it, she wasn't actually standing on the logo. She was only next to the you, logo. You know, the saying goes... A hater's going to hate. No, yeah. this is nothing to do about hate. This all comes from our Rate the Radio Call segment that we've done over the years. Oh, yeah. How so? Because if we were doing Rate the Radio Call and someone said, and she takes the shot from the logo, but it wasn't from the logo, I feel like that person would get a bad score because they weren't describing the play accurately. When you say the a shot from the logo. I'm assuming she's standing on some part of the logo. She is not. She's not even close to the logo. And so they still call it a logo shot. I don't really understand because she's not actually on the logo. Yeah. Hello? It was a logo area shot, and it depends on how big the logo is. Now, Their the logo Iowa, is huge. It is huge. The Iowa logo? Yes. It's look. pretty big, but it's not as big as, say... You know, I mean, there's Look a lot at this of this thing. It yeah, goes almost a... from three point line to three point line. It doesn't, um, <laughs> because <laughs> otherwise it would just be a long three pointer. <laughs> yeah, I, there's a, some logos that are a lot bigger than I don't. Scrappy, what's your beef here? I'm beef? just not I... thinking about that. What I'm thinking about is, you know, her incredible record breaking shot. I don't have beef with it, but I feel like the description of a logo shot is wrong in this because Steph Curry, when he hits a logo shot, he's standing on the logo. I'm just saying, it's a descriptor I don't think it of was... where they take the shot on the court. I don't think it was that far off. Does Steph buddy. Curry actually hit logo threes? He yeah. does. From center court? Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. I mean, is his <laughs> shot longer than hers was last? I mean, her shot last night was about as far as I've seen. One. I mean, Steph, Steph makes those pretty well. Of course, he pretty does. consistently in the pulls NBA. Up. Does he pull up from there? Sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's got uh, him and him and Dame Lillard. She's in that category, though. So I'm not. It's not to say that she's not shooting that. Okay. Just saying. She's close. Well, okay. So she's scrape, closer can to I, the sideline than I, the logo. Can, can I say something? Can she's say as something? far from the basket though as the. Can logo? I say something? If the if the low if the logo extended, like if it if you drew a line, straight across from foul line on side foul line to side foul line. Right. She'd be as far back as where that logo is. Yeah, but she's not on it. Yeah. Yeah. There's you a, know, come on. Next time you're going to break an all-time you're, you're record. You're splitting hairs here, buddy. Caitlin, can you take? Can you call timeout? Ask the defender to move out of the way so that you can walk over three steps so that your foot is touching the logo to appease Scraby. Matt on the chat says she was a few steps south of the giant logo. Poncho, I don't know if south is the right word. I think she was a few steps east or I west think they're of the south logo. south from the basket. Okay, maybe so. Um, I, 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 you guys can't tell me she's standing on the logo because she's not. I'm just so. saying. Why are Scrape. we talking about this? Why shouldn't? Why are we because not talking Scrape about her remarkable, you know, achievement? Right. That's, that's why that's we, we, we already talked about her remarkable achievement. Not, but I feel really? like we're we're splitting hairs here, man. You you want her <sighs> you want her to be standing on the official logo? You guys, if we're you guys be... are mistaking this with my like my anger is I'm at Caitlin Clark. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have any anger towards Cece. That's what I'm calling. Well, her. You have Cece. <laughs> he has had anger with her in the past. Me? When she flopped after being run over oh, by the uh, wait, Ohio think State I, fan I think I defended her, actually, but she did flop. She got to flop a little bit. She did flop. Um, you were on her case that time. Uh, what I saw later was Angel Reese actually said congrats to Caitlin Clark. So of course she did. Stuff. No, it's good stuff. I'm saying those two can really, really put some eyes on women's basketball, and they're already doing there, it. There are a lot of really, really good Female basketball players that are just good basketball. They're players. not the only ones. Juju Watkins at USC yeah. is Juju. is going to be phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of really good talented. I told young them, ladies I told out you there that they it. should. Uh, the NCAA tournament should rig it so that you know Iowa and USC are in the Listen, same. Listen, if there if there was a time to to rig to something rig one, in be, for benefit of your right. sport, yes, it's going to help your <laughs> sport. I mean, don't put them in the first round. They're deserving of being better than that, but, right? Try to line them up so that in the second, third round, you get lucky. Those two play each other. I mean, it's going to be a bonanza. It's virtually what you got last year in the NCAA tournament. As Iowa and LSU ended up meeting, Right, it was it was kind of like they were taking out good teams on the way. Yeah. Um, Iowa had to beat South Carolina in, like, triple overtime yeah. in the semifinal. It was great theater last year, and I think the women's game was as widely viewed as any final has ever been watched. You can so see that's that in, great. you can also you can see that in the money that's being put behind a lot of women's sports at this point, whether it's soccer or the, the WNBA or both. It's high time True. they start paying those college women's basketball announcers, you know, what they're worth. I agree. Um Scrape, you want to get back on track here? Yeah, yeah. Big five on the other side. Uh I mean are you going to take this up again with Caitlin Clark when we get to the Big Five? Uh, actually, Shaq said something about her that I want to ask you guys. Shaq, so Shaq Diesel? Shaq Diesel said something on Inside the NBA. I think that's what it's called. And uh, I want to get your guys' opinion on it. All right. Stay tuned for Big Five. NBA All-Star Weekend is underway. And uh, I, I would advise you at least flip it on the television just so you can get your first gander at this new floor. It's quite the it's pretty uh, sweet. Quite the impressive uh, 
I was going to say piece of hardware, but it's not hardwood, but it's not hardwood, right? It's glass. It sure looks like hardwood. It looks hard, like hardwood, for it's sure. It's incredible what they can do with this new, what are they, is it an LED floor? Screen? Yes, so, yes. Like LED. That. Is that the best way to describe it what like, it actually is? It, it, it looks like, I thought there would be some weird kind of feel to it because it's a screen. It's not like a floor, but no one seems to be feeling like it's weird. Except for whoever has the ball takes he, this game very I told, seriously. I told you, my man, he's like a YouTuber, I think. And he was they showed some clips of him actually like practicing. He was he was serious about it. He's very serious. He's going through his legs, he's driving the lane. No one wants to take him on because he's, going, he's, he's on pace for an MVP right now. He's the guy in the pickup game, you're like, bro, we're not in the NBA. <laughs> uh, Tony and Scraby doing some uh, color commentary on the celebrity game that is underway right now. At the NBA All Star, we what color is the ball? It's blue. Why? Um, I, you'd have to ask the NBA about that okay. one. That I, you know, I can do without. But the floor is pretty awesome. Got to say, it's worth tuning in to take at least a look at. Uh, Scraby's got a big five heading in our direction. A little bit later in the program, we'll have our interview of the week. Joe Musgrove will probably qualify for that honor. He was on with us yesterday. If you missed it, you'll hear it a little later in the program. And I keep looking around for some news item to pop up in the world of sports. <laughs> it's but not happening, by It's just not happening. So uh, without any further ado, let's check you some traffic and get Scraby on the line. It's that time of the show when we check on the latest in sports. Only the most important topics and questions are brought to light. Stop what you're doing and listen. These news stories will astound and amaze you. The one, the only. Oh my God, who the hell cares? The Big Five starts now on 97.3 The Fan. Sorry, Scrib, I know you want to get into the big five. Yes, please this, don't do this to me. I'm just doing a quick one. This is really, I it's think. It's not going to be quick. I can already it's feel important. it. It's important. It's important because I just saw the story come down. It, uh, be it is. It, affect, it, it has to do with the former high school basketball star in our county, Tory Pines High. Uh, Scott Pollard, might have heard he was awaiting a heart transplant. I did. And he was in danger of not being able to find one. Because of his size. After all, he's seven feet tall. Yeah. A donor has been found. Yeah, so that is that. amazingly good news. He was. Uh, he, he's been. He's basically going to have to be in the hospital until they found one. That's the kind of shape he's in. So right, he got a miracle. He did. He did, and I think that's uh, that's just fantastic news. I know a lot of people around these parts knew Scott Pollard, know Scott Pollard, and we'll be happy to hear that. All right, my friend, go ahead. If you were listening, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to be mad about that. Thing. I know I was about. To. <laughs> no, he's about to rip me for that. And I'm well, like, if no, you were listening you're not to Tony and I talk that. during the break, you would know that we already talked about this in the break, and it's not a new news well, story. I'm glad so. you did, but the listeners, listeners didn't, didn't know. hear it, though. I agree, but it's a very strange time. To All right, do you're that. making it even longer now. Uh, I had a question. Would it be better if they said instead of from the logo, said from downtown? Yes. Because it describes that it was behind the three-point line. Scraby. Number five. Scraby and his grease. All right. I got a question from a friend after we found out the Hassan Kim is going to play short and Xander Bogarts is going to play second. The question is, now that they have done this, Chris, would switching them back cause problems? Cause problems? No. Okay. Why not? Well, I mean... <laughs> 
because Hassan Kim is too good of a guy to create a problem over that. I can't see Hassan like pouting or like being mad. How are they going to switch back? I mean, is Hassan Kim just going to forget what he's doing at shortstop all of a sudden? No, like say, I, I, I mean, don't know. I, don't know I have a hard time <laughs> believing he's going to regress defensively, but that's the only way I could see it. What if Xander Bogarts isn't playing well at second and he feels more comfortable at short? And I don't so... know. I don't know that your case gets stronger. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we don't even need to entertain it. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. Um, if they have to change, if they have to flip flop back, they're not flip flopping. I don't. Back. <laughs> I don't think they're flip flopping back. You think it's over? I think it's a done it's deal. Been decided. Yes. Yes. All right. Number four. Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones vowed to return for a shot at a third straight Super Bowl title earlier this week, but an actual deal isn't likely to come together overnight. One of the reasons why is because the Chiefs are not going to be able to sign as many people as they want as quickly as they want. They are trying to also hold on to cornerback Legereus Sneed. General Manager Brett Veach called re-signing both players a top priority of the offseason, but Sneed sounds unsure that everything's going to work out. While on Up and Adams this week, Sneed said he hopes to be back with Kansas City while adding that, quote, you never know how it goes once negotiations start. Tony, who would you give the money to if you were the Chiefs? Out of Chris Jones or Sneed? Yep. I'll probably say Jones. You can get a, an okay defensive back if you're getting pressure on the quarterback. It's less time they got to cover. So I'm going to say uh Getting a guy like uh, Jones is a little bit more difficult. Chris? I'll go with Snead. All right. Why? I, I, because I think he's a game changer. I think Chris Jones is one too, but I just wanted to give a differing opinion. Thank you. I don't know. You'd be the tiebreaker. Who would you give it to? I think it's harder to find a corner than it is to find a guy who can plug the middle. Just flat out Boo. disagreeing with you right in your Boo. mug. Yeah. Right in your mug. Just right saying, in no, your Tony mug, Grinch, he says. Wrong. That's fine. You can disagree with me, Scrape. Did I say this on the air or <laughs> off the air? But Chris Jones, was, uh, agent, tweeted out during when Chris I think Jones... said it off the air. Okay, so Chris Jones was saying that he wants to come back to the team and it's going to happen. And his agent tweeted out, someone tell the bartender to cut him off. Because <laughs> he's giving away millions by saying he's coming back to ah, the team. Right. Number three. All right, Caitlin Clark, as we just talked about, made major headlines last night by breaking the women's basketball collegiate scoring record with a three from nearly midcourt or downtown, whatever you would like to say. Shaq talked about it and said this on uh, Inside the NBA on TNT last night. But she's incredible. Congratulations incredible. to her and her family. Yeah. Like I, I, the crazy thing is I'm, I'm just seeing her last year when they uh, played LSU, but she, she's phenomenal. I, I'm going to go on record and say she's the best female collegiate player ever. Ever? Or ever. I don't know about you. Yeah, you ever. 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 Miller, ever. Maya Moore. Yeah, I, I said what I said. Ever. Diana Tarasi. I said what I no said. No disrespect. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, hey, this Kayla is my, Clark is amazing. This is my uh, opinion. Candace Walker. Listen, this is what I said. Candace Nobody's ever shot it like her. She's like Steph Curry. I said what I said. Yeah. All right, there you go. Started a whole it thing. Did. It did really start a whole thing. But my Bernie question, Johnson's in there spreading them apart. <laughs> yeah, he was. Um, Chris, is Caitlin Clark the best women's college basketball player ever? Well, in Shaq's, uh, if I was in Shaq's presence, I would say yes, because I'm going to agree with Shaq all the time. But no, I don't think she is yet. I, I think, and you heard the names of the players that I think would still rate ahead of her. Okay. Uh, Maya Moore was yeah. amazing. Sure. Maya Candace Moore Parker, was... Cheryl Ooh. Miller. 
Diana Taurasi, all-time leading scorer in the WNBA. I mean, Caitlin Clark, for as great as she is, still has to prove that she can play in the WNBA. It's true. I can't imagine that she won't be able to succeed there, but, you know, we got to make sure. So, yeah, I think there's others that are still ahead of her. What do you think, Tony? Who Do you think Caitlin Clark is the best college basketball player ever, women's basketball player? Oh, I never got to see uh, Cheryl Miller play. Um, I did get to see Maya Moore play. She was tough. Oh, man. I mean, she... it. She cut her career short just to go out and help people. Yeah. I, I, here's the thing. Caitlin Clark is the best college basketball player of this generation. She might be the best shooter. Yeah, she might she's be the, the best, Steph Curry she's of the best shooter basketball. of ever. But Maya Moore's game was so complete. I mean, inside, outside, post up. Smooth. She was like the Kobe Bryant of of women's basketball. So I think to answer your question, Caitlin Clark is not the greatest college player of all time. Took me a while to get there, but I got there. It's all right. Number two. Major League Soccer has reduced the number of commentators and analysts calling games on MLS Season Pass in 2024. The Season Pass budget cuts are part of a business effort to reduce costs after spending on production costs exceeded expectations last year, sources told World Soccer Talk. In total, 18 people have been cut from MLS talent department on Apple TV. Of those who are coming back in 2024, sources revealed that some are taking pay cuts of up to 33%. So, Tony, does this show you anything about the interest in the MLS? Mm, not necessarily. I think sometimes, uh, especially when, you know, they signed, MLS signed that big deal with Apple, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times what happens is you over, I don't know, you overspend, but you, you, you stretch yourself out too long. And now you're, you're kind of trimming up the fat so that you're not spending as much money. You're kind of trying to stay it. Out of the red, if you will. But pay cuts for the original or the people coming back? Maybe they overlaunched themselves to begin mm. with. All right. And you're trying to find some middle ground. I don't think it's necessarily uh, an indictment on MLS. They just signed a deal last year. So yeah. uh, I think this might just be a recalibration. Hopefully it's just a recalibration. Chris, does this show you anything about the interest in the sport? It does not. What it shows me, though, is that the... CEOs and the CFOs and the C blankety yeah. blankos <laughs> made a mistake and you know spent you know too much money on the television broadcast and guess what instead of cutting all these people and ruining their lives the people who made the wrong decision in the first place should take pay cuts they, they should take and their I know bill. you agree with me on that Scraby because you hate pre- CEOs where do I sign up to run through a wall <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to go now I knew I'd, I knew I'd hit him in a sweet spot there he was I'm like gonna, a preacher on the pulpit right, right there I'm going to go find a CEO and just yell at him yeah. or her I mean uh, Chris Come on, Chris, take a Chris, little pay cut and let these people, you know, do their thing for you. Chris brings up a good point. Uh, the CEOs and, and who, I mean, this is not just soccer. They did it in baseball. He is in the position they're in. Right. Can clearly not reading whatever it is in front of them well enough. And yeah. it's costing people. Tony, they can't live without their gold-plated toilet paper, okay? No, it's they ridiculous. It really is. It. For all, for, is that what it is? For most of us in the world, we'd all agree that CEOs make too much, and they cut too many regular people from jobs without Big taking facts. pay cuts on their own. I will say the Zoom CEO a few years ago 
What are you doing? For, for go, go, gone, for gone, for went. For went. He for went his salary for the year so that he could put it back into the company. Very good. See, so. there's one guy. That shows, uh, that shows, that shows good business. It shows leadership. Yeah. I like it. Uh, in the chat, Lisa Leslie. Is that a college oh, she's up there. have to yep. be in the conversation. She's definitely Very in the good. conversation. Very wow. Good. Cesar is greetings from Guatemala. Hello. Cesar. Cesar. Wow. Look at the floor now, guys. Crazy, red, blue, twenty-two again. Another bucket. <laughs> I know I'm all over the place, but when was the last time you guys ate Ruffles? Who's eating Ruffles? Well, it's sponsored by Ruffles. Oh, well, that's why they're trying to get people Bitcher. to eat Ruffles again. <laughs> I mean, but how? When was, when was the last time you guys ate Ruffles? It's been a while. I may go get some this weekend after seeing some this ad. Sa- yeah, get some, okay. of those, some of those sour so cream and cheddar. Oh, yeah. I may go get some of those now. Sour cream and cheddar, you baby. Have to wait for the weekend. Ooh, those are pretty those good. Are ones. Uh, what are the orange ones? Just sour like, cream and cheddar. Sour oh, cream and cheddar. Yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Stop talking before I sound even more stupid. We now know why someone jumped on the field during the Super Bowl. This dude is a millionaire, and he wanted to bet on a streaker on the field, so he bought a ticket to the game to try and win the bet. When he went to go make the bet, he played himself because the bet was no longer being offered, but he already had tickets to the game. So here's what this guy said about this whole situation on Monday. Quote, being rich is living life on your own terms, according to your possibilities, not your limitations. So why not do something no one has the courage to do? I spent $42,000 to live an experience not only that I'll never forget, but share with the world how set and forget has changed my life. End quote. Chris, how would you uh, rate his life advice here? You going to follow it? You going to set and forget? I would just say that uh, you obviously don't need intelligence to be rich. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wait, time out. He he, he bet on his on a streak. No, he, wanted he wanted to, to bet, but that he there couldn't would be a streaker. But he couldn't find a place to make the bet, so, so he, he went ahead and streaked anyway. He so he went and bought front row seats, so he had an easy access to the field for forty two thousand dollars, and then he just did it anyway. And then got thrown in jail. He anyway. said, "Being rich is living life on your own no, terms." This guy's an idiot. <laughs> Sorry. That's a fact. Dude. <laughs> I think you summed it up right there. That's what I was trying to. This get guy out is here. just going to buy a ticket at the front row and then run on the field, and go to jail for it. Brilliant. Make it make sense. Brilliant. I, I, no, apparently, I mean, he's I a, get that you're rich, but do, do any of those things? Rich. So he was unhappy with his life. He was working at a restaurant or something, being like a busboy. And then he started investing like 100 or $200 at a time into the stock market. Ended up hitting it big and became a millionaire. So money is no object for him. But he is very happy with himself for this. Yeah. I don't necessarily know I want to be known as the guy who jumped on the field during the Super Bowl. He's not Bowl. the guy. The idiot. I don't, the anything, idiot. I, don't, I don't even think he's known. I mean, they didn't show it. No, they, they didn't. They mentioned it for a half second. They said and, somebody's on the field. And that was only because Tony Romo was on the broadcast because right. he, he wanted to talk about Tony it Tony Romo wanted a close-up <laughs> of the guy. But, you know, he they moved right on. We don't even – this doesn't even uh, doesn't even register anymore. It it's doesn't. running on the field. Because they, they no longer show it anymore. Yeah, it's, it's just a waste a of this question, guy's time. A question from the chat. Was this guy actually a real streaker? And the answer is no. No, because he had all his clothes on. He, oh, well, he well, had that's not off, a streaker. I, I said – well, Wait, he had a, no pants? No. no he Scraper, had, do you have more information no, than you should on? about this? Yeah, he had pants. He had pants sure. on. He just had no shirt on. Also, ruffles are required for onion dip. That is true. I don't I know the last time I had onion dip in a long time. Though. Me onion neither. dip is 
kind of low on the list at this point. Onion dip is low on the list? <laughs> Why? Onion dip is great. I haven't had it in a long time. It's not that I don't like it. It's just it's been a while. Mm. It's been replaced by like guacamole or bean dip. It's being replaced. Is this, a, is this something I don't replaced. know about? I would definitely like a ruffle right now. <laughs> can we go to the just one ruffle, though? Once you no pop. One. No, that's, that's Pringles. Lays. That's Pringles. That's no, that's Lay's. Once you pop, you don't stop. It's Pringles. No, right. but Lay's is the one that said you can only have, you can't have just one. I'm pretty sure. I think we need to go look in the. Um, I think we need to go to break. I think, well, we're about to go to break. I'm just trying to kill time here until we get to the end. Uh, I was. I think we need to go to the vending machine and see if they have ruffles for Christmas. Can't they don't. Eat just they don't. one was the slogan of. Come on. Please. Bugles? Lay's potato chips. <laughs> Bugles. I was correct. Do you guys remember Bugles? Yes. <laughs> they were weird. Yeah, Do you remember were... Where's the Beef? Uh, yeah, where's the beef? Yeah. Coming up with crazy, yeah, got milk. Hall of Fame slogans. Oh, I was was that milk? Yeah, where's the beef? Was like for the uh, the beef industry. <laughs> no, it's for Wendy's. Oh, that's right. Where's the then beef? It's for Wendy's. She I'm looked wrong. at the, the she looked at the sandwich and then she opened it up and said, "Where's the beef?" <laughs> and then they, they said, this? "Go to Wendy's, man. That's you get right. yourself a big fat burger." That's right. Wendy's Wendy was mad. Man. Never seen it. It wasn't Wendy. It was some old lady. She was hilarious. All right. When we get back, we'll talk about Xander Bogart's moving to second base. Hassan Kim going to shortstop. And we'll get into some more crazy talking, I think. This is the happy hour on Friday. The final happy hour of the week next. Welcome back into Gwen and Chris 501 on the clock. It is the happy hour. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Sello, Matt Scraby, talking some Padre baseball. I guess really the first bit of big news to come out of camp. Xander Bogarts will move off of the shortstop position over to the second base position. Hassan Kim will move off of the second base position over to the shortstop position. And uh, that's all assuming Manny Machado starts the year healthy and as the third baseman. I saw some uh, somebody, I think it was actually on MLB Network, Tony, they projected the Padres opening day you know, lineup, and they actually had Matthew Batten playing third base and Machado DHing. I, you know, we haven't heard a lot about that. I mean, Batten finished up at third base when Manny was hurt Batten last year. Did a year. nice job with his Didn't little bit so time. bad. Maybe he will get the. Uh, I mean, I, I, here's to a, here, me, Korea is going to be a different deal than opening day because Korea is two weeks or three weeks before opening day. Yeah, I, here's the, is Manny going to be ready? Here's the thing. Um, I guess that makes more sense because. Let's if Manny does start as the DH, and Kim does move over, you have answers at third, short, and second. You know where you don't have an answer is first base. Whereas I think batting at third base is a better fit than what batting at first. Because I, I mean that's I don't I, I see him much better as a third baseman than I see a first baseman. Yeah. I think so. so maybe maybe that is that is uh, accurate in what we saw. But the news of the day, Sander Bogarts has uh, decided to to be the team player on there. He's going to move to second base. Kim's going to get yes. to start at shortstop. He he decided to be, but I think as you'll hear in the clip, Daddy, you know he's a he's a he's a he's a gamer, and he didn't want to give up his spot easily. But he was willing to give it up. This was a. It seemed to be a tough pill to swallow. What are your feelings on your switch? Uh, 
I mean, I sign here as a shortstop, you know, but to me, I just live and die baseball, you know, and I felt like we had this conversation early in the morning, and I was like, listen, man, if this is the way that you guys view the team is better, I respect him, especially defensively. I, I actually admire him a lot. So, it, maybe it can hurt, but I mean, I'm, I'm just doing it in the best interest of the team. And in the end, I feel like I'm at peace with, with moving off, you know, because I felt like if I, if I literally didn't really want to, I would have just let them know. And that would have been a, I wouldn't say a problem, but it might have been a tough situation. But I think I'm, I'm really at peace of going to have to move off, you know. So I think, I think that deep down in my heart, like I was actually cool with it, you know. I didn't expect maybe to be cool with it, but what what more can I accomplish in this game? You know, I, I I came here. The only reason I came here was to win a World Series. So if this is the way that that we're gonna get one, so be it. You know, I wanna I wanna World. I was just thinking I want one at third base. I want one at shortstop, and it would be very nice to win one at second base. So I, I'm looking at the positive and. And actually, if, if we're going to have this conversation in like two years, hey, let's move you from here, from the position again, we're not like, let's just get out of the way now. You know, if this is a really good time for that our team is, is going to be much better this way, let's, let's just do it, you know? Yeah, as you saw, it, it wasn't like an easy turnkey situation here. Certainly, uh, you could hear his... What would, you, what would you describe hesitation. it? Hesitation. Yeah. Okay. You, you could hear, hear you could hear a little bit of unhappiness in there, but I mean, uh. <laughs> well, we said we said earlier, he definitely chose his words, you know, carefully, and but but that's fine. I, I I don't want my starting shortstop to just say, "Hey, here you go, take my position." To be honest with you, no. So I'm okay with that, and. You know, let's uh, let's just let it play out. He's a pro. He'll play second base. He's got the spring to figure it out. I'll tell you one thing that I don't want to hear from the Padres is like in mid-May saying, you know, Xander, it's going to take him a little time to get up to speed at second base. I mean, my point is, is it's your decision to move him there. Right. So let's just live with whatever he does there. It's kind of I, – I, I say this all the time, and you can probably correct me, but whenever they say a guy makes a rookie base running mistake, they're a rookie, and they make a base running mistake, I'm like, yes, but the guy's been playing baseball since he's been time. nine years old. Yeah. It, to me, it shouldn't be uh, – you shouldn't get the, uh, the benefit of the doubt because you're a rookie. So Xander Bogarts, to me, is going to have to go out and really play a good second base. Because I don't want to hear that he's not getting the job done. This was your decision. And prior to moving him, both guys were getting the job done. But the uh, the the thinking analytics is that Hassan Kim is going to cover more ground at shortstop. So you may have to live with a couple of mistakes from Xander Bogarts at second base. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would expect there's going to be some growing pains there. Sure. Right? Like, it's not just going to... Um... It's, it's not, not going to be a perfectly it, smooth transition. Right, I mean, right. it's a different position. Although maybe he'll do what Fernando did. Turn Fernando a, went to right field with the gold glover. glove. Maybe Xander will go get the gold glove. It, it's certainly within the realm. I mean, you know, it, it's it'll be an interesting uh, it'll be an interesting situation, like you said. We'll see how it goes. I think Xander, as I said, he's a pro, so he's going to handle it. Mike Schilt 
was asked about. <laughs> I was I was coming up with a new clip. I was coming up with a new clip because you guys said all I could see was out of the corner of my eyes, the hands flying everywhere. Everywhere. Uh oh, he's giving you signals again. <laughs> if. Scrape, you'd be the worst third base coach <laughs> oh in history. Uh, if a guy came around second base and saw your signals, they'd just break his break his own ankle trying to determine what you're asking them to what, do. What, what do you want to say, Scrape? Are you done yet? <laughs> um, you guys were talking about him winning a gold glove at second. Well, he said he would do something if he did win a gold glove at second. Team that have moved positions in the last couple of years that have had a lot of success at their new positions. He's right, Ronald Kim. Does that give you confidence in moving to a new spot? I feel like that. They might be playing a tricky situation with me because if I if I win a gold glove a second, I might retire. You know, so I might. <laughs> there you go. He was joking, but yeah, there you go. By the way, we had some people in the chat earlier who were saying, you know, that now with the money that Xander Bogarts is making, he's too expensive to play at second base. I would answer that and did when talking with these guys. But Mookie Betts has also been moved to second base. He's making a lot more money than Xander. Wait a minute, Scraby's waving again. <laughs> Did you, you don't like need to I tell people <laughs> that. <laughs> well, they can see it on the on the YouTube stream. <laughs> yes, they can see it, but the YouTube stream is getting a behind-the-scenes look at what we're doing, but I still want to be, like, a respected producer. Yeah, no, Mookie Betts is by far the highest-paid second baseman in, in all of baseball. Okay. What is it? About, he's getting about 35 I, he's about as high a played player as they're in the game, yeah. isn't he? Uh, Mike Schilt was asked how this change came about. Wait a minute. How did you determine that's what he wanted you to do by his hand signals? Well, we got, I think I got his hand signals down, Pat, at down. this point. <laughs> Look at him. Maybe not. <laughs> he's getting mad. I'm not, I'm not getting mad at all, okay? You're like George Costanza. Scrape right. getting angry. <laughs> Here it is. Wait, that's not it. <laughs> Guess I didn't have his head Here's, here's Here it is. I had a, a, a starting point in the conversation with him to take his temperature in Aruba. Um, pretty good place, by the way, to have a conversation of any kind. Um, and so we started the process there, and, and then, um, you know, AJ, clearly you can ask him as well. Um, but, you know, it was an ongoing conversation, and, you know, we finalized it recently. You know what you're going to get from Kim at shortstop because he's played there before, but what are your expectations given Xander's skill set for what he can do at second base? Well, the good news is, is, you know, you want as many shortstops as you can have on a baseball field in as many positions as you can have. So to the examples I mentioned earlier, we got Toddy that's a shortstop that goes to the right, great. Kimmy's shortstop goes to second, fantastic. Crony has played shortstop. And goes to second and first, and it's been really good. So, you know, if you can have as many shortstops, and the experience of that is, is, you know, from I understand how to play the middle to go to second, is really important. So, you know, I expect it to be some transition, some learning curve, clearly. I think we'd all be naive to think that won't be the case. Um, but also, you know, with Bogey that, that we'll make sure of, and he'll do in any way, is he's still a captain of our infield. He's still a guy that's going to run point guard, you know, from the second base position about – how we're operating, how we're competing, how we're aware of game situation on the field. Mike, is there any thought uh, moving Jake to second and Bogey to first? Uh, what was part of the calculus there? I mean, listen, um, you know, the, again, we've got a different different ways, Palms, to look at this. But, you know, Bogey came in here to be a shortstop. He's a valuable guy in the middle of the field. Crony's already demonstrated he's really good at first base. Um, so I don't think we want to – let's keep Bogey up the middle where he's – 
clearly done very well. And um, as I alluded to with, you know, talking to AJ and his question, you know, it's a guy that, that um, you know, we want to continue to have in the middle for his, for his baseball IQ and his leadership. Uh, this is, to me, where I think Mike Schilt has um, – this is his strong suit, is, is getting guys to buy in on things that, that they don't necessarily um, love in, in some ways. Um, Xander's that's that's just one element uh, of it. I think the other thing that you're going to eventually see is Fernando Tatis Jr. in terms of you know the one of the leaders that he talked about in terms of this ball club. I, I think you see Fernando step into a bigger role in that from that element. I saw the uh, MLB uh, top 100 rankings. Uh, somebody too. sent me a piece of that today. And uh, they they had the list of number thirty through twenty. I don't think they've gotten to number one yet. Maybe no, they, they I don't haven't. think they've revealed that yet. But I saw Manny Machado ranked twenty fourth best major league player. On the surface, I'm okay with that. I saw Fernando ranked twenty sixth. On the surface, I'm not okay with that. You're not okay. With no. That. 26th best player in baseball. And don't tell me, you know, it was because of what happened, this, that, the other. This guy's talent, his power, his speed, his ability in offense, combined with the fact that he was the Platinum Glove Award winner last year, tells me, and based on what I think he can do this year, he's a, he's a lot higher than 26. Yeah, but it's not based on what you think it is, based on what he did last year. That's it? That's it. I still think he had a pretty darn good season uh, last year. I don't know. Uh, I want to get, because we did, I did this last night. I went through some of the names to see if he was better. But one of the names, or one of the names that was on the list was Kyle Tucker. Is Fernando better than Kyle Tucker? If we're going off, so th- this is how good Fernando is. Look at Kyle Tucker's year last year. Look at Luis Roberts, uh, who he's one spot ahead of. Look at his year last year. Luis Roberts. And then okay. look at Toddy's year. Luis Robert had a five war, 264, 38 home runs, 857 OPS. Toddy. Tatis is ahead of him in the ranking. Tatis is ahead of him in the ranking. I just can't believe there was 25 guys who had a better year than him last year. I guess there was. All right, I'll, I'll give him, I'll give MLB Network the benefit of the doubt for this year, but I don't like to give them the benefit of the doubt because they still employ Brian Kenny. Oh my <laughs> so gosh, I'm with that. Uh, I stamp that approval. <laughs> yes, thank you. I really want to get these names before we go to break, just so I can talk to you guys about them. Okay. Yeah. Are you looking still up going. the top thirty? Ah, there we go. We found them. Blake Snell's number thirty. Um, so we have Fernando at 26. So that's have, a Cy Young. Yes. We have uh, Corbin Burns, 29. We have 28 is Runner Zach up. Wheeler. So how did Corbin Burns finish out of Blake Snow? I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, did, what happened there? I guess the they... walks got him, down to, <laughs> got him <laughs> I mean, down to 30. I mean, was Blake Snow not voted the better pitcher than Corbin Burns by a landslide yes. vote? Yes. Uh, Zach Wheeler, 28. Luis Robert Jr., 27. 27. 26. Twatty. 25 is Francisco Lindor. You could flip Fernando and fl- Francisco Lindor. You can put Fernando way ahead of him. But anyway, yeah, that's all right. I agree. Tony, you have any thoughts about Lindor? Uh, he's very, very, very he's good very player. Good. Manny Machado, number 24. Kyle Tucker, 23. Altuve, 22. And Marcus Simeon, 21. I mean, listen, you could pick apart this list. I mean, Manny at 24, he didn't have his best season. He's still ahead of Fernando. Yeah. He's a bit ahead of the Cy Young Award. Well, winner. that's what I'm saying. I don't know that they're only they're, exclusively going in 
what they did last year. Uh, they may not be. Because if they're exclusively going what they did last year, Blake Snell has to be ahead of Corbin Burns and Dan Wheeler, guys he or uh, he beat Zach Wheeler, guys that he beat out for the Cy Young. So it's fair. You know, I'm I'm, I'm going to have to put Fernando's got to be top ten, top fifteen. I, I think that's I maybe think, sounds like a homer being, call to some I, yeah, people. If but we're being fair, I don't know if you goodness. could say Fernando was a top ten player last year. I didn't say last year. I'm saying he is a top ten player. I don't right disagree. now. I don't disagree with that. And I thought their list was top 100 right now, but I don't know. Brian Kenny's capable of <laughs> screwing that up in any number of ways. <laughs> Let's get to break for Brian Kenny catches more strays before he's the gonna show. A, he's going to put a cease and desist on our show at some point. I swear. <laughs> I would love for him to get to hear some of this stuff. That would be, be great for our show, actually, if he put a cease and desist. I know who would co-sign on that. Joe Musgrove. Indeed. Let's get to break. More Gwen and Chris on the other side. There's some traffic. Now the NBA uh, floor is on fire. I mean, this is incredible what they're doing with this floor. You gotta, you gotta tune this in. The NBA celebrity uh, All Star Game with I the LED floor. This. I thought he would. It hate looks this. pretty sweet, man. It really looks amazing. It looks. It, it, it's what I imagine was glass. <laughs> That's what I saw. That's right? what I was thinking. It's what I imagine watching a basketball game on Nickelodeon would look like. All kinds of flashing lights and crazy colors. That's fun. I don't know that I need it for a regular season NBA game, but it's perfect for the Celebrity All-Star Classic. Yeah, I don't know if I want it for an NBA regular season game. I still kind of want to make the game the most important thing. I agree. Right now, the floor is the most important thing. Uh, Speaking of floor, tonight at Viejas Arena, San Diego State and New Mexico will be on that floor. The player you want to boo, where's number 10 for New Mexico? And he wants you to boo him, Jalen House. The, uh, according to the Albuquerque Journal, the most hated player in the history of college basketball. Uh, he burned the Aztecs in the first meeting, though. 26 points, single-handedly turned the game around and let the Aztecs know about it. I have a feeling he's going to so, get a little taste of the show. He, well, the show will be the after him The show is going to be on him like... Yeah, I can't but he'll be re- he'll be waiting for it because you said earlier some guys just like this. Stuff. No, no doubt, no doubt. And he he appears to like it. It's easy I, to like it when you're winning and your team and you're playing well. Yes, let's hope that the Aztecs punish them and therefore quiet him tonight. I saw Jay Billis's rankings, by the way. The Billustrator was Billis. How's Billis treating us? Billis is treating us okay. Okay, uh, not as well as I had hoped. He has New Mexico twentieth. And he has us 27th. So he's got New Mexico a few spots ahead of the Aztecs, actually. Ain't nothing like a, a San Diego State beatdown so to change that up. for us to change that opinion from Jay a little bit. Um, Aztecs still come in, though, at number five in uh, the bracketology. Five like seed. Well, was our seed last year six? Five. I was five last yeah, year, too? They were five last year. So five would be good. Um you know, it's they need to win right tonight because there's still a game back at Utah State. Utah State plays Colorado State in Fort Collins tomorrow. I would think Utah State loses that game. That would give the Aztecs a tie for first place, and then next Tuesday they play at Utah State. It's still going to be really hard to win the regular season title. You almost can't lose another game if you're the Aztecs in that regard. This tournament, this uh, Mountain West Conference tournament this year is going to be it's going to be bananas. Real. The top seven teams, any of them could win it. And that goes yeah. all the way down to UNLV. Yeah. Which means if you're the number two seed, you're going to draw the number seven in your first game 
And that is going to be somebody like UNLV yeah. or maybe even Nevada. Yeah. I mean, that's a the very tough draw in the very first game. It almost so. makes winning the conference outright very important. You'd almost because, like to be number one so you get the 8-9. Yeah, for sure. Which might be a little bit of an easier draw. Essex, to me, are still having an incredible season. They're 19-6. and six. I mean, I'm all right with that after what they did last year. And especially if they can finish up strong. We'll find out what happens tonight. Uh, what did you have on the Padres? I, I don't pronounce this guy's name very well, so I'm going to let you do it, Scrape. Oh, um, news for yes, tomorrow. Yes, hold on. Let me get the text so I'm delivering it correct. Okay. It is that um, Eric Kutsenda is going to speak with the media in Peoria tomorrow. We don't have a time yet, but we are going to have videos. All- yes, Tony? No, go ahead. Finish. Oh, we're going to have videos on our social medias as soon as it happens. So make sure you keep on 97.3 The Fan SD on Twitter. Also, Instagram and um, Facebook. No, I know I know. Neither, none of you guys have seen this yet, but it just came across my phone. Breaking news six minutes ago. Is it good? Is it worthy of a sounder? It, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, I think so. Wow. Oh, I'm Joe Maurer is not retiring. Joe Maurer is not retiring, but someone has been disqualified for the Genesis Invitational oh. for signing an incorrect scorecard. Oh, oh, my goodness. Jordan Spieth. Wow. Has been disqualified from the Whoa. Genesis Invitational for signing an incorrect scorecard. Wow. All right, first of all, that's an unforgivable mistake if you're a professional <laughs> golfer. But second of all, this is the stupidest rule in sports. That's why I brought it up. Yeah, it's I not mean, the stupidest rule in sports. It is so. No, it's not. It is understandable in the 1920s and 30s when they were keeping score with. Uh, you know, pencils and, you know, <laughs> little rickety pieces of you paper. You literally have this on this but tournament it, on TV. I mean, it's on television. <laughs> Everybody knows everybody's score. That's ridiculous. Here's you don't mistake. think so, Scraby? Come on. Even even you got to think that rule is a little outdated. To be disqualified from the entire tournament, probably. But I, I do think there should be a penalty for writing down the wrong score. Cause how, how bad was this? So dude? the mistake, this is from the article, the mistake came on par 3 fourth where Spieth signed for a par but actually made bogey. Oh. So yeah. you can't. You can't. You can't but have... correct me if I'm wrong again, Scraby, doesn't your playing partner actually keep your scorecard? I'm not 100% round? sure, but I'm uh, yes, there is something to that. Okay, and, but you so have to write your own score. So he just signed it. Like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. You're yeah. But he looked at the guy who kept his scorecard. He looked at it. He said, yeah, this is good. That's doable, I think. I don't think that's out and out cheating. So why would what, what is to stop you from consistently trying to sabotage somebody and just <laughs> say, oh, he put out a birdie here. Uh, I mean, golf is all about gentlemen. gentlemen. Well, yes. apparently, you know, you make a kind of a little mistake like that. It's you get not a little dis- mistake. Disqualified for the whole tourney? Yeah, uh, that that is a little crazy. So strong. Give them like give them like a a, a three-shot penalty on your overall score so far and if it takes you out of the cut, it takes you out of the cut. But yeah, I mean Let me see where Char where was he? I'm trying to Spieth? find him on the uh He had a first round 66. He, yeah, he's not even on the they've t- Not only has he been kicked out no, of the he's, tournament, he's on the bottom. He's got to be on the bottom with like DQ next to his name. There he is. Yeah. Jordan Speeth DQ despite the fact that his score was 3 under par. Mm. Through two holes. Jordan Spieth is listed just underneath Tiger Woods, who has a WD next to his game. Can name, I have a hot take? Because he had to withdraw. What is your hot takes, Gravy? I, I've been thinking this all week, but I didn't want to say it. Uh, all week, okay. So it's not just today. <laughs> no, this is all week. Here we go. You had some thought to it then. Yes. 
Look at the court right now. It's on fire around the... Oh, my God. It's incredible. We don't need to have a long discussion about this, but I think it's time for Tiger to stop playing. I don't. Keep playing, Tiger. Feel like he's just a distraction at this point? A distraction. I bet you to PGA... Distraction? How many people tuned in the last two days to watch him? I bet you the PGA Tour does not But how many people are going to stop tuning in when Tiger's on the course because he may not finish? I don't think they're ever going to stop tuning in. You know when they stop tuning in? As soon as they find out he's not in the tournament. I will agree with that. I will definitely agree with that. He's 48 years old, Scraby. Mickelson won the PGA at 50... Tiger is not in the same physical shape as Mickelson was, and that's saying something because Mickelson was never in great shape. But Tiger's got so many injuries, but there is still no question that he's like a whole nother level above popularity of every other golfer. Not to mention the dude hasn't played golf in like a, a year, it feels yeah, like. That, and he was even, well, it's two over today, I think, before right. his, the illness hitting. But He was even through 17 yesterday. That's not a bad return. To the game. Okay, I shouldn't have mentioned this. Yeah. Bad well, take. it's not. It's, it's just, bad. It's take. not correct. That's all. I mean, people, you can't take. call an opinion correct. By the way, but, bad take. Um, it's in your mind a bad take because, like, take. I like to watch. I think most people would say I like. I can't watch golf unless it's Scheffler or you know somebody I've heard of. You know, I'm Charlie's not even watching the, golf anymore because you're boycotting it right now. I am. Mm-hmm. But well, actually, if Tiger, I did watch but, but Tiger, <laughs> Tiger, I'll still watch. Not You'll watch many. a guy limp around a yes. golf course and hit bad shots. Yes. Why not? Yes. <laughs> okay. Would you rather yes. watch him or Patrick Cantlay, who's the Honestly. leader? Uh, Patrick Cantlay. You really would. You, you tur- would not. You would follow Patrick Cantlay for eighteen holes and watch it oh, like eighteen holes now. Okay, no. nine. You watch him on the first front nine. I will watch TV. So and so, the regular broadcast. So your answer is no. You wouldn't follow and. Scraby, my question to you is this. If Patrick Cantlay walked into the studio right now, yes, I would notice. Who you he is. would not. Yes, I, I know I what he no looks like. You'd go, "Hey, like. Patrick, he won a FedEx Cup." I, I don't would. care what he won. Nobody knows that. Is that I him? Would... Yes, that's him. <laughs> is that him? <laughs> he has a really okay. So the reason he's I from know Long this... Beach, Tony might have gone to your house. Might have gone you to remember, your high school. You remember there was a girl who? Well, I can't say her name on the radio, but her cousin is Patrick Cantlay. She used to work here. Why and can't so, you say her name on the radio? Because I don't want to say her first her. name. Shannon, remember Shannon? Oh no. yeah, yeah. Her cousin is uh, Patrick Cantlay. She was like one time. I guess I have a famous cousin who's like a pro golfer or something. I was like, oh, yeah, what's or his so, name? Or something. She's like Patrick Cantlay, and I'm like, oh Never yeah, mind. he's actually a real golfer. <laughs> Never mind. Tony went to Servite High School. Servite in Anaheim. That's Isn't that in Anaheim? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but he's man. a Long Beach native, so there you go. Boom. Went to UCLA. So he's a Southern California guy. Yep. Never could not recognize him, like I said, if he walked in. How long has he been on the tour? He's got uh, seven or eight years. So he's probably played, uh, was at school with Bauer and. um, Oh, Garrett Cole? And Cole. We'll have to look that up, but maybe. Check that out. Yeah. Hmm. All right. All right, let's get the break. Yeah, please. (laughs) We got Joe Musgrove on the other side for our interview of the week. I'm right currently scouting some of my possible uh, celebrity softball. Yeah, game how about coming that? Up. You got uh, some of your some of your uh, softball players are at the uh, celebrity All Star game in the NBA. Yeah, Kelsey Plum is not playing in the in the celebrity basketball. Well, you game. don't want her playing in this no, game. I, she could get hurt. That's what I was getting to. I, I kind of called ahead and said, "Hey, take it easy. I don't want." <laughs> 
I'm gonna need you. Uh, I'm gonna need you 100 percent by the time we uh, get ready. Now, did to... we the list of softball players that we you know that are going to be in the uh, Padre Fan Fest softball game, which yeah. is a good list. Of, I mean, I'm telling if you're going to the Fan Fest, you want to go to the softball game. But we don't know that all these players are on your team. No, we don't. But you know, doesn't hurt for me to start my scouting now. It's okay. Talked to coach yesterday. Now, who's your who was your other coach? Do you remember? I am I coaching forgot. against Mr. Hoffman. Trevor. Yes. I think you guys ought to have a little draft. I think that'd be kind of fun. I think that'd be fair. Yeah. If you're at any point in time, try. are you going to try and distract Mr. Hoffman with your hit against him? Like you're going to bring it up or put a picture? No, gonna, no, no. I have far no? too much respect for that man. You know, we... Be washing I, his face in my, my little hit against him. <laughs> yeah. You, you and I had a chance maybe... Here was my suggestion. Since Tony won't take us on his team, maybe you could call Trevor and we could take him... He could get us on his team. This is a But now you're bad-mouthing him by reminding him of Tony's hit. Well, here's the thing. If, Thanks a if lot, If Trevor Graham. decides to let you in, then I'm going to change my mind. I can't have you guys on the field... And that be on my team. So uh, I see. You know, uh, you know how that see how it works there. I got to. I don't, don't see us having us any chance. I just don't think I, I I can't get you guys on the team. But if you guys find your way on the list, I'm taking you guys. If if you if you said to them, I would like for Scraby and Tony or uh, Scraby and Chris to be a part of this game. I think they would say yes. I think we're begging far too much, honestly. I and think, we're putting Tony in a really awkward spot. I think we need to get to Joe Musgrove is what I think. Yes, we do. There's some traffic, and there's Joe coming up after. Joining us is uh, San Diego's favorite, I think. Joe Musgrove uh, joins us here on Gwyn and Chris. Joe, uh, first, man, how are you? How's the beginning of spring training? It all starts again. It's been good, man. Uh, to be honest, uh, the biggest bummer for me losing, losing San Di- or leaving San Diego is not having the San Diego radio anymore, man. I became a big fan <laughs> of your show in the morning broadcast, so uh, you know I'm missing 97.3, actually. Come on now. You can still uh, go online. Watch us on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I, I expect i got to put a little more work in. Here. Yeah, you got to put a little work in. Uh, Joe, I mean, this was a, a little bit different off season for you, man. You, you, you had to um, get the body in order before, I'm assuming, starting your, 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 prog- your progression to get to this point. Um, how, how are you feeling, um, and and what what was differing different about this off season compared to to past off seasons? Yeah, a lot of things. I mean, first off, I had a little more time. Um, you know, starting the off season a little bit sooner. One because you know, obviously, not making the playoffs, you you wrap up at the start of October. But uh, you know, the last month and a half of the season for me was spent on the IL and. Um, you know, we were back and forth between trying to build back up or just shutting down and starting the off season. Um, you know, our our place in the rankings was kind of dictating a lot of that, and going 16 and two down the stretch kind of put a little pressure on us to to speed things up a little bit. Should we make it in? You know, I wanted to have a chance to throw. Um, so a little bit of that, but you know, ultimately I got to start some of the off season, you know, recovery work and stuff down that last you know, month of the season or so last year. So going into the start of the official off season, I, I was actually in a pretty decent spot. Um, but yeah, like you said, a lot more body work and uh, maintenance stuff to kind of get me back to a, to a level playing field before I go into the off season and start to build back up. So um, I can honestly say that, you know, this past week has been the best that I felt all off season. Um, and I feel like I'm starting to peak at the right times here. Do you still have to uh, prove anything to yourself and to uh, or this you know the team, the coaches that you know? What's going to let them know, let you know that you are going to be ready to go one hundred percent on opening day? 
Yeah, you know, I've got my check boxes that I like to hit, um, you know, along the way in the course of spring training. But, you know, you really try to just set your sights on one at a time. And for me, it's a, it's a daily it's a daily thing, you know, just try to get your body feeling good by the end of each day and, and leave in there feeling like you'll be ready to come in the next day. So, um, like I said, I have these few things that I like to hit along the way, but I'm really trying to take it day at a time and just, you know, follow what the, the trainers and, and our PT staff have given me. Joe Musgrove joins us, one of the lead dogs in this rotation at the Padres. We'll go into the 2024 season with it. And, Joe, I'm interested to, to hear you hear your take on this. I, I know when pitchers and catchers reported, you had your kind of scrum with the media, and you spoke about establishing an identity. Um, as a starting pitcher on this ball club, where what what is your part in creating that identity and, you know, how long does it take for a team to kind of figure out what their identity is going to be? I think ultimately you find it through through playing and through winning. Um, but, you know, setting the tone early in camp with the expectations of how we're going to carry ourselves as a staff. I mean, me and Ruben have this talk a lot, but we're firm believers that starting rotation sets the tone for everything. You know, we got yeah. the ball, we control yeah. the pace of the game. Um, you know, we're in control out there, so... Um, you know, we want to be known as a, as a relentless staff, you know, somebody that's not going to give in regardless of the scenario, regardless of the score. Um, you know, if you got the ball and you're on that mound, you're giving it everything you have until they take it from you. Um, you know, so some of those things are, are talked about a little bit as far as what we expect and the effort level that's going into things. But a lot of the, the culture and stuff that everyone talks about, you know, that stuff is, is found through winning and, and through experiences you have throughout the course of the season. But um, you know, it's never too early to start implementing some of those things and just talking out loud about some of the, you know, some of the approaches that you want to take towards your game and how you want your team to look on the field. Joe, uh, we obviously follow everything that happens during the off season. The fans uh, follow it closely, but they're not as probably as big of fans as the actual players that are on the team. I mean, you you're certainly reading oh, yeah. and following everything that's happening, and Juan Soto's traded and. Bunch of guys are coming in, and free agency this year is a little different than last year. What's what's your overall reaction to what the Padres have done so far this off season, and uh, how do you think it's all going to benefit this year's club? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's never easy losing a, a generational talent type player in Soto, but um, you know, you look at the pieces we get in return for him and what it does for our team moving forward. I think it puts us in a better spot. Um, you know, as a group and as a team, you know, with the arms we got in return, pitching was going to be the biggest concern going into the off season for us. Um, you know, so we answered a lot of those questions with some of the arms we got back. You know, we got a little bit of experience and then uh, some really good, talented young arms that we expect to be big pieces for us. So, um, like I said, it's not easy to lose guys like Soto and a guy as consistent as Grish is in the outfield, but when you look at what it does for our team and our rotation, I think it puts us in a real good spot. We got some really good depth in our bullpen now. Um, you know, still a few pieces that I think we're we're short on, but you know, I know AJ and you guys know him well. Um, you know, he's always got something up his sleeve, and I know he's not walking into this thing knowing that there's there's gaps in the you know in the roster that need to be filled without a plan. So I think uh, we just kind of trust in him. Joe, I I, I want to ask you a little bit about. The, the managerial change, Mike Schilt takes over. And let me say this before I, I ask this question. By no means am I trying to say that Bo Mel didn't do these things, but just in, in my time getting to spend with Mike Schilt, he seems very detail-oriented. He seems very driven by the team aspect in terms of 
how you guys feel about one, one another and, and kind of coming together. Are you sensing that already in just a little bit of, of spring training you've had already? Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, he empowers the players, too. I mean, he's got a way and he's got a way of talking to you that, you know, inspires you and motivates you to, to do a little more on your end as a player. So, you know, I got to spend the last two years with him, you know, side by side in the dugout, just talking baseball and, you know, gaining some knowledge from him. I mean, he's been around the game since he was nine, ten years old, growing up in, you know, double A clubhouse, coaching at every single level along, along the way. I mean, the guy's got as much experience as you could ask for in a manager. Um, but yeah, he does a really good job communicating with the guys and making it very clear what the expectations are. And then, you know, putting the power in the hands of the players and, you know, forcing us to take a little bit of accountability and a little bit of ownership of what we're doing and, and try to police things and, and run things ourselves from within. As you do a little look back at the 2023 season as you're sitting there getting ready for this year and you compare what ended up happening last year to what happened the year before, is it as simple as saying that you guys just couldn't get over the hump in terms of getting hits with runners in scoring position and winning close games? I mean, the record was 9-23 and in one-run games. It was the complete opposite of that the year before. Is it as simple as that to say last year didn't work out because of those things, or was there more at work here? Yeah, I mean, you know, this is one of Shilty's big things that he says all the time, and he's said it countless times since he's, you know, taken the helm here. It's that, you know, this game is, you know, the best players in this game are elite adjusters. Mm. And, you know, we mm. just really weren't that last year. You know, we had plans of how we wanted to go about it. We knew, you know, what the expectation was of ourselves as a lineup, how we were going to score runs, how we were going to produce. And we weren't getting those, you know, we weren't having that success with driving the ball in and, you know, the doubles and homers and our slug not being very high, the runners in scoring position average, you know, those things weren't falling into place for us early in the year and we did a good job of adjusting the game plan and doing what we had to do to win. I feel like we married ourselves to that expectation of what our lineup was built to do and, um, you know, we didn't adjust very well. So you'd like to say it's as easy as that, but I feel like that's the main reason is we did not adjust on the fly and, and we weren't in that category of elite adjusters like, you know, you see at this level. You said that word twice, and I got goosebumps. Elite <laughs> adjusters. I mean, that is as, as simple as it, I think you can put it. You, you mentioned some of the arms that you guys got back in the deal um, for Juan Soto. Michael King, we're talking Brito, we're talking Vasquez, we're talking the young kid Thorpe. Um, integrating those arms, because, you know, as of right now, at, at least a few of those guys are going to be pieces that, you know, could possibly be in this rotation um, how do you bring those guys in? I think this is your strong suit, and you're not the only one. You Darvish does it in his own way as well. But talk about bringing in those young guys, install, installing that confidence, installing that kind of uh, the the idea of what you guys want to accomplish as a as a unit. Yeah, um, I think our our little off season camp that we do every year in in January is a big part of that. You know, bringing these these new guys in and some of these young guys and giving them a week prior to spring training to, to meet the staff, to meet some of the other players, to, you know, see what the expectation is, how we do things here, meet some of the behind-the-scenes guys with the analytics and just kind of kickstart things and give these guys a week to kind of adjust to some of the people and, you know, get their feet underneath them before they get here. But, you know, we talked about it a lot this offseason, myself, Manny, uh, Toddy, Darvish, all these guys that are, you know, under contract and going to be here for a while that, 
you know, we have a lot of young guys now, and we're going to need these guys to produce. And I think for them to be the best player that they can be, they have to be comfortable. they got to be able yeah. to, to play with that swagger and with a little bit of attitude and personality. And I think a lot of that comes from the veterans on the team creating that atmosphere. You know, these they got to understand that we're here to win games. You know, we're not here to make them feel like rookies. We're not here to belittle them or make them feel like they're anything less than we are. You know, we're here to win. So having said that, there are – you know, there is a pecking order and there are some unwritten rules that you try to follow. And it's really just respect, you know, respect the guys around you, respect the guys that have more time than you in the game, mm. but be yourself, you know, play the game the way you, the way that you play it, play with some passion, with some fire. And, uh, you know, if your mind's in the right place with everything you do, you know, we, have, everyone in that clubhouse is going to have your back. So just bringing them in and trying to get them to understand that, hey, we're not here to embarrass you guys or belittle you or make you feel like a rookie. We want you to be impact players on this team, and we need you to be at your best and, and play with some you know, some freedom out there. How many people have come up to you and, and guys on this team and said, man, you guys are really up against it. I mean, look what the Dodgers did this offseason. I mean, they're going to be impossible to beat and all of this stuff. And you know in your heart that it doesn't come down to that. It comes down to execution and being a just, doing a just, what did he say? Elite adjuster. Thank you. Being yes. an elite That's adjuster. Right. Yes, I'm going to put that in my in my bank of uh, yeah, bookmark that one. Bookmark that one. But you know, those are the things that are going to decide the season. And if you can perform, you know, this Padre team performs the way it can. Uh, I don't see why you can't keep up with the Dodgers. I know you guys aren't going into the season thinking anything but that. Yeah, I mean, we've been on that side. We were that we were that team last year yeah. where everyone looked at our team on paper and saw who we were and what was expected of us, and that's not always the best thing for you sometimes to have a little chip on your shoulder and to be counted out a little bit adds a little fuel to the fire. So, um, like you said, you know, this team is capable of beating any team in the big leagues, you know, when we play the way that we expect to play. So it's about finding out the way to pull that out of us every night, you know finding ways to, to create that energy and, and to kickstart things in the in the beginning of the year better than we did last year. And I think a lot of that starts in spring training with, you know, some of these meetings and talking about, you know, what we expect of ourselves and how we're going to run things on a daily basis to ultimately get to the end goal. Um, but all that stuff starts now. So, you know, just building that, building that foundation in spring is super important. Joe, I, I got one that's not as serious as all these other questions has been. Um, you know, mm-hmm. typically for position players, you know, about three and a half weeks in, you're like, all right, I'm ready for this to go. Now, pitchers is different, especially because you're building up. But is there any part of you that is, by the time you get to spring, is like, let's just get to the real stuff, please? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very soon, actually. <laughs> sooner than sooner than later in spring. Um, yeah, for, for starters, it's, it's usually once you're into that, that four or five inning range where you start feeling like, okay, I'm built up now. I'm ready to go. Um, early in camp, you're still trying to get your feet under you. A lot of guys haven't even been in spikes for, you know, as long as you spend in them in spring training, running around doing PFPs and, you know, conditioning in spikes. There's a lot of things and just getting your body prepped and stuff. But yeah. you get through that first week or two, you start to feel really consistent in your routine, your body's recovering well, and you start getting the itch for, for some real games. But it's nice for us this year. You know, we come into spring a week early, um, you know, get things started when most people aren't working and uh, get to get out of here a few weeks early, which yeah. is nice as well. So we've got to really maximize, you know, the time that we got here and get as much out of it as we can because Korea is going to come, you know, faster than we know it. Is there any chance you think you could pitch in Korea? I know you're, again, you said you're taking a one checkbox at a time. Could we see you in one of those first two games? Yeah, so we've talked about that already. Um 
with CLT and Ruben uh, about how we want to go about it. No decisions have been made yet, but, um, you know, that's definitely, those are two games that, you know, count towards the record book. So, um, you know, we're going to, we expect to be around that five inning mark by then. So me and Darvish would both be ready to go should, you know, the ball be handed to us in that situation. Say less. I think that's the answer that everybody wanted to hear anyway. Joe, we appreciate you coming off, man, on a day off. Uh, gave you guys- Joe Musgrove, love catching up with my man. He is, uh, he's one of the best, man. And he's pitching in Korea, it looks like. He always, he always slips us a little news. He gave us, he gave us a little, little tidbit there. Yeah. Let's uh, get out of here. The weekend, hopefully, I get to see you guys again on Monday. My daughter and Mount Carmel... We're not going to see you on Monday, no matter well, no, what. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Hopefully you'll see me on Tuesday. We're back. To the Mount Carmel Sun Devils get a win. We got to get out of here. You guys enjoy your weekend. Scravey Chronicles up next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 